Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This video is going to be about the Destiny Content Vault. If you're listening to this on iTunes, maybe you found this podcast on Google Play or Spotify. SNTR Presents is on all those various places. You can also go to SNTRPresents.com to support me through Patreon. SNTRPresents.com If you want to watch the live streams, it's a different .com. It's SayNoToRage.com If you want to do the live streams, you can hit subscribe and the bell button on YouTube or join the members, get emotes and perks in Discord. Thanks so much for all that support. So, why are we talking about Destiny Content Vault again? Well, for starters, we have one of our, our, our higher tier members that wants to do a co-host about this. So, he he requested this subject. This is something you can do as a tier 3 member. Uh, you get to co-host with me and you can pick the subject of a video once a month. And I'm going to attack this from a little bit of a different uh, angle uh, today. We did another video a while back when it first got announced, but I did not read through everything Bungie said in that video, so I do want to do that. I want to I want to walk through what they actually said, and then I want to say why I'm excited, but I want to end by saying why I still have questions. I do actually have quite a bit of questions still about how exactly um, this is going to be implemented, because it does seem like we don't necessarily know... Um, we don't necessarily know how they're going to be removing, adding, and the timing and all of that. So let's just start with why. Why is Bungie doing this? They essentially this is right from their mouth when they posted about this in their building Destiny for you know for the longer future or a lo- building a sustainable Destiny. They said Destiny Two is too large to efficiently update and maintain. The size and complexity of the game are also contributing to more bugs and less innovation. Instead of building a Destiny Three and leaving D Two behind each year, we are going to cycle older, less actively played content out of the live game and into what we're calling the Destiny Content Vault, the DCV. This will allow us to add and support D2 for years, including the three new annual expansions that we announced today, starting with Beyond Light. The DCV will include all content from D1 and anything that cycles out of D2. That's an important line there. They're basically considering... They're basically considering... Everything in D1 is right now in the DCV. I actually didn't pick up on that until just now. Uh, we will bring back or unvault activities and destinations uh, content from the DCV each year. Unvaulting starts in year four with the Cosmodrome coming back as well as its three strikes in the return of Vault of Glass Raid. The primary D2 content leaving the game and going into the DCV this fall will be the destinations Mars, IO, Titan, Mercury, and the Leviathan and the supported activities. There will be new ways to earn the exotics originally linked to the content that goes into the DCV, and when Beyond Light ships, the director will have Europa, Cosmodrome, Moon, Tangled Shore, Dreaming City, YDZ, and Nessus. There will be, uh, and it says, This approach allows us to respond to player feedback more rapidly, enable more innovation, and will keep Destiny 2 and your characters thriving for years to come. More details coming uh, later in the year. So, I actually didn't pick up on that. I'm, I think that's really, really good to zero in that in Bungie's mind, the Destiny Content Vault includes all of Destiny 1 and then anything getting vaulted. And I, I think we really need to read that and see. This is not just about recycling content or what people would say, oh, reskins, recycling, they're just being lazy. That is not what this is about. This is, has more to do with the stability of the game and the future of the game and, and basically making room. So, 
why am I excited about this? Because there's obviously people in the community that don't like this idea. Number one, they're opposed to it because they don't like the idea of taking content away. Number two, they're opposed to it because they don't like the idea of recycling or reskinning content. Maybe they're on both teams. There's sort of people that fall in, in either camp. They think taking content out of the game is wrong or they think recycling content is wrong. And I want to talk about that. I actually think it is okay to look forward to recycling content. I think people become ideological and dogmatic about this. They think anytime something is reused, repurposed, or reskinned, that it's lazy, cheap, or a cash grab, or whatever other token internet word they want to use. And that's essentially their philosophy. It's sort of like their video game religion is one where they strongly believe, their conviction is that nothing should be recycled or reused. I... And 100% opposed to that belief. I think that is an, an impossible and an untenable position. I believe when you build a game like this with repetition and replayability woven into its identity, you will 100% have times and in, in, in areas in the game where things are repurposed, resurfaced, reskinned, reused, whatever. Because if not, the game essentially just continues to leave things behind it in its wake dead planets dead activities irrelevant this irrelevant that it's not it's not a sustainable model i don't think for a live service game like this an action mmorpg that you know you're playing and everybody's here and we're we're five six seven years into the franchise you simply must i think reuse stuff and i'm i'm okay with that and i actually like that i'm excited about the cosmodrome coming back those strikes vaults of glass those are not just nostalgic, you know, feelings. Those are, I think, some good pieces of content that could be contextualized into Desi 2 in a really good way. I fundamentally think at the end of the day, the community will largely accept this, especially after it starts. I think in principle, before we see it in action, it's easy for people to criticize, armchair, us oh, is dumb, they're being lazy, blah, 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 you know, whatever argumentation that they want to use. I think it's easy to do that before it's put in to practice. And I think once it is put into practice, the first time people run Vault of Glass or run through some of those strikes or see the updated Cosmodrome, I mean, I'm assuming it's going to be updated. They're not just going to bring it back and have it be barren and, you know, old public events. I would imagine they'll add lost sectors and new things to it. I think once it start, once the engine gets running here, I do think you'll see a change in tone. Now, you're always going to have those people on the forums and Discord, Twitter, everywhere saying, like, you know, th- th- this is not how they should do it. They should not be repurposing content. This is cheat. This is lazy. I fundamentally don't think that those people really have uh, a voice. I-, I think, yeah, sure, say all you want, but I think to a certain extent, we've come so far in the life of this game if that's your belief system like i said if that's your video game religion i believe you're continuing to drift to the fringes and your input matters less and less when you think that way because it doesn't square with the way that destiny is built and maintained you're sort of asking something of destiny that is not just impossible as they said from a technical aspect it's just it's out of step and out of sync with where a game like this has to go lastly why do I still have questions? Well, we don't know a lot yet. We know enough to whet our appetite. We know our, enough to either be angry or excited, but I have some questions. Number one, why is it suddenly good and or possible to bring back D1 stuff? We've been very much over the years given the impression that that's not easy to do. They have to re- literally rebuild the maps that they threw into PvP. They had to rebuild that Cosmodrome area with the cars. They had to rebuild that. 
And we have been consistently sort of given that impression, both from people that work there internally and just from the way Bungie talks about the game, that that's not something that is easy. So that's a question I have. Why is that suddenly possible? Why is that suddenly something that they can do when up to now uh, that was something that uh, didn't seem possible? Uh, Second, is this related to an engine update or an engine change? Are they actually making, you know springboarding off of the other question that I have you know why are you guys suddenly able to bring back D1 stuff is this change related to an engine update or an engine change that would certainly make it easier to update the engine or to port the game to a new engine if you chop off half of the game uh, in, in, in line with some of the theories about oh this is a D3 foundation this was going to be Destiny 3 well Destiny 3 would likely have engine updates or a new engine one of those, I think. I don't think they would be like, yeah, let's build Destiny 3 in the exact same engine uh, as D2. They would at least make foundational updates, which would then require them uh, to remove things. So is this decision with the DCV related to that? Is that something that is tied to it? How long will the D1 content stay? I mean, they're saying stuff leaves when it's it's older or less active, but is a Destiny 1 unvaulting going to have different rules? Is Vog only going to be around for a year? Is Cosmodrome only going to be around uh, for for a year, right? So I, I would I, I would I would say that's a question that needs to be answered because if it's only around for a year, that's a bit of a bummer. If it's always going to be the oldest stuff's kind of falling off in the distance, that to me seems more logical, more reasonable. If you're going to take the time to bring back the Cosmodrome, if you're going to take the time to bring back Vault of Class, I would say leave them in the game for longer than just a year. Uh, is it only you know is it only dictated by age and engagement? And then how much are you removing each year? So when we get into September of 2021, are you chopping off half the game again? Or is it going to be a little less painful? Is it going to be a little, you know, not as many planets, not as many locations? Because that is, I think, a fundamental question about what's the purpose of vaulting. If we're going to be shelving half the game in 2020, are you going to need to shelve half the game every single year? And if so, does that mean we're getting that much content added back in? I've consistently said that I believe year four will be very substantive because they're making so much room. They're making so many vacancies. That stands to reason that they have a lot of things they want to put in place of it. So we're going to transition to Q&A. We do have a co-host today as well as VIP call-ins afterwards. If you're listening to this on iTunes or or on Spotify or Google Play, you can look up SNTR Presents on any podcast or go to SNTRPresents.com to support me directly or say no to Rage.com to watch me live. As always, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a Q&A session that followed my talk about the Destiny Content Vault. If you're listening to this on any of the podcast platforms out there, you can find SNTR Presents on Spotify and Google Play and iTunes. Uh, you can always go to SNTRPresents.com to become a patron of my Patreon and then get in Discord, get the benefits and perks of either co-hosting like Avengers doing again today. He picked one of the higher tiers and he's able to do that every month. He also is the one who chose this subject, wanted to cover it. Uh, if you'd rather just watch live, you can go to SayNoToRage.com, watch live on YouTube. You can hit subscribe, the bell button, or the join button and pick from the exact same tier. So say hello to everybody, Avenger. Welcome back. Hello. You're probably already tired of my voice, though. I've came on here too many times already. I don't think so. Uh, we had you and then Wolverine, and the the response in the comments was, was generally pretty good. They all were like, oh, you need to have them back on. I was like, don't... Uh, don't puff them up too much. You know, we got to keep these guys humble or they're going to try and take over the show, you know? 
Uh, you at all people shouldn't be talking about egos. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, we have about 15 to 16 questions already submitted. Uh, so I forgot to grab the crop. I think I cropped it before I went live, so we should be good. There we go. Doge coming in with the first question says... I know you don't dabble with lore, but with the Cosmodrome coming back, it could be used to bring Aldrin back as we see in the 2013 E3 trailer. What are your thoughts? There is a part of me that thinks that's it that that's a plan that they have. Um because I think that would be that'd be exciting for the community. Because <clears throat> that's like the they did that with the Vex trailer. I mean the Vex trailer leaked and then they used it, right? And then that footage of Aldrin leaked. That was not something <clears throat> excuse me. That was not something we were meant to see. <clears throat> Why don't you take over? I'm, I got a tickle. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, for me, being someone who's like, I'm big into lore and stuff like that, and I keep I keep up with it, watch the lore videos, making sure I'm looking at all this stuff. Um, the Odrin thing that was in the trailer, that, that trailer that they released in 2013 that went over, you know, it had Odrin in the Com- Cosmodrome. Um, and that, I think that's what at the time they called him the Crow. Um, they had uh, one of the biggest things that not a lot of people talk about is during that trailer they actually have the war a warlock jumps down he has the prodigal um, set from Forsaken in in the D1 2013 trailer he has that armor set on and then you're also bringing talking about bringing Europa in um, a lot of the stuff that they're talking about and a lot of the stuff that they're you know bringing into the game was stuff that they talked about in 2013 they talked about all these things and i feel like a lot of this is now transitioning to what they actually wanted uh the game to be or the original vision um that they can try and somehow mold the franchise that the game is already in right now into what they originally wanted yeah i i wouldn't be surprised if they use it because i do think what we've seen over the years is that some things get shelved and they don't get to come into the game or they don't get to do them and of all the times for them to kind of pull stuff out that got shelled and didn't get to stick in or didn't they didn't get to use it the bet i mean what better time to do it than year four where they're they're launching the dcv it's supposed to be sort of their vision for where they want the game to go these next three years i think are almost meant to be you know a, a a a maybe an inverse of the first three years you know we had vanilla then forsaken then Shadowkeep. And then these next three years, I would hope we could draw a very clear contrast between them and say, yeah, this is a very, very different game. They've really brought it far. They've made a lot of great changes. And it would be really cool to see that scene. Because I do think people would say, oh man, if, if people want to go back in time and do the whole cut content thing, I don't think stuff like that was necessarily cut content. I think that stuff was collateral damage. You know, they, they if you go back and read <clears throat> Schreier's article when he was still writing for Kotaku, you know, Schreier's article on how that all went down and how they, you know, the, the supercut, Joseph Sutton's supercut was ultimately rejected by, you know, up, uh, you know, executives at Bungie that were like, this is not the direction that we want to take the game. And they break the game apart and they put it back together uh, over the course of a year. Because you remember the game got delayed from two, 2013 to 2014. And... I think scenes like this, maybe storylines or things they wanted to do with Aldrin, is just just ended up being collateral damage. It just got chopped, you know, almost violently, like out of the game. Like, yeah, this is out, and this is a great time to bring that stuff back. I hope that scene is in is in uh, is in year four somewhere. Mm-hmm. I just want to see the crow as like a different character, you know, having because originally he was just the crow, like it was Aldrin Sob, and then he was called the crow. 
So I think like having him as that new kind of character, mm-hmm. um, you know, because he's not he's not older anymore. Like even if you know, he's that person, but he doesn't have any memories. He doesn't have anything like that. So he's a new person and he's trying to survive in the world. And then, you know, having them bring back Cosmodrome, uh, it, it seems weird because you're bringing back Vault of Glass. So if you were just focusing, oh, well, we're bringing back Vault of Glass, we can just bring Venus, bring the strikes back there and it'll be good. But it's Cosmodrome specifically. Mm-hmm. So I'd feel like that there would have to be some story elements in the Cosmodrome. I don't think they just add the planet back just to add the planet back. I think that's decent uh that's decent theory crafting, you know, that of all the planets to bring back, I, I, I could pose another theory and say, since DCV is a new concept, they're going to swing the hardest at nostalgia, and that's why they're going Cosmodrome Vogue. Like, those would be the two things from, from Vanilla Destiny that would strike a chord with the most players, I think. But I could also agree with what you're saying. If you're going to bring back any places, like, really? Like... Why wouldn't you bring back Venus with Vogue? And and because Venus, I think, is a cooler looking planet. Um, and we already have we already have Earth in the director. And if you're wanting to give people this sense of like, hey, we're filling in gaps and vacancies that we created after we chopped all this content, what better way to do it than to bring back Venus? But all they're doing is, is giving you a different transmat location on the Earth. So I think there's a part of me that that likes that theory that there is a story impetus to bringing back Cosmodrome. Um, which I don't know when they would do that though, because Europa is probably going to be the central focus of of Beyond Light. So maybe the Cosmodrome is the focus of like the Winter DLC or something, and then that's when they decide to bring you know uh, Aldrin back into the story. So, all right, that was good. That was a good question. We're going to go to Doge now. Uh, I'm sorry, that was Doge. We're going to go to Smokey. Smokey says, in your opinion, how much of an update should Vaulted content get? before a re-release generally speaking example just rotating strikes in and out versus adding new encounters areas etc for them i mean i don't think they can just bring back copy paste the strikes and the cosmodrome itself let's just ignore the strikes for just a second the cosmodrome if it lands in this version of destiny it's going to seem incredibly bland and boring and we already have an example of how they're going to do this when we look at the moon. The moon returned, and it is not the moon of Destiny 1. Right now, if you think reskin is lazy, recycled, bleh, it's just, it's just, it's, I played this in D1. Okay, boot up D1 and go to the moon and wander around, and it is not anywhere near the moon that you have now. Sure, the geographic shape of a lot of the locations is the same, but they added three lost sectors that were essentially like mini strikes they had mechanics that were very very large they did they go pretty far deep down then they added the crimson keep and they added the altar of sorrows area and they added a dungeon um anybody who looks at the moon and like turns their nose up and is like oh it's just a lazy reskin they're not being intellectually honest like there's so much that they did to the moon if they would have just done a copy paste of moon from d1 to d2 oh it's four lost sectors sorry I would have been right there with you. Like, why would you even bother doing this? It's bland. The the, the, the public events are silly. Compare, public events now are pretty intense. Like, there's a lot going on. D1 public events? Do you remember uh, defending a Warsat? It's like, here comes a fallen dropship. Kill everything. Here comes a fallen dropship. Kill everything. And if, if you played like me, you could not kill the last enemy 
and just sit there and like at like 33% or whatever that last enemy from the first dropship would despawn and then another dropship would come so you could basically only have to fight three dropships if you were by yourself and didn't feel like doing it um, it gets harder and harder the more dropships you, you, you kill and so I, I think they're going to have to make a lot of changes. Number one, public events will have to be obviously updated to the new public events. I would want some maybe some new ones added. Um, the Walker public event, you know, evolve that, make it cooler, make it better, because that was one of the few times in Destiny you could fight a Walker uh, outside of, you know, a, a quest or a mission. But then also, I want to see some Lost Sectors, man. There's great opportunities for that. You know, Lost Sectors, where the Warmind Bunker is. Lost Sector in that first area where that yellow hive would always kick the crap out of you if you went down there. And then obviously the strikes themselves. I don't know. I'm going to let Avenger talk about strikes maybe so we can just kind of share the load here. Because I, I, I don't think you can just copy-paste this content. Yeah, uh, strikes to me in D1 were completely different than strikes in D2. The sole reason is D1 strikes were solely their difficulty, no matter if it was a nightfall or not, the difficulty was always based around the enemy. Whereas in D2, a lot of your strikes are going to be mechanically, or I'm not going to say all of them, but at least they have mechanics in them. In D1, there were only two strikes that had mechanics. That was um, the echo chamber one where you had to run in the circle and get the balls, and there was little walls that were spinning around and you, mm-hmm. with the big harpy. And then there was, um, and this is one of my favorite strikes, the Wretched Eye, um, where there was the ogre who you couldn't kill, but you just had to run around the room and kite him because you couldn't kill him, and you just had to focus the boss. Mm-hmm. Those are the only two strikes that had mechanics outside the boss teleporting to a different area. Mm. So, and then implementing that into D2, you look at D2, you have um, stuff, uh, let's look at, you have plates in uh, Scarlet Keep, you have ball encounter you have a ball slot in uh, arms dealer uh you have plate mechanics in um uh, inverted spire or uh, not inverted spire uh Pyramidian. whatever pyramidians another one as well yeah you have mechanics and th- they might not be the most in depth like we've talked about balls and throwing balls like the corrupted and you know plates and stuff like that it's not you know something but there's still it mixes up the combat flow when you're talking yeah. about strikes and if you're gonna import these strikes i have a very big issue uh with the um with the strikes that are coming back these are willa crota willa crota is just shake and bake the boss and look it's dead you know the teleports away there's some ads it teleports away there's some ads and it's dead uh and there's no there's no mechanics to even going up to the boss and then fallen saber is going to be interesting i think that you know that has the um i think i think that one's the worst that one i can't remember exactly um but there was some there's at least some stuff that's going on there so uh the strikes need to have something else especially devil's lair you know devil's lair hits that nostalgia factor it was something cool they brought it back in res of iron it was something cool you're gonna bring it back a third time it can't just be the same copy and paste thing yeah yeah it was in the the saber strike he like changed elements that was pretty cool mm-hmm. but it wasn't really a mechanic it, the, the boss changed you know elements but we didn't do anything you know in particular <clears throat> i do think that the i can i can hear already there are going to be people you know commenting we don't get as many comments on these videos now cuz more people watch live but there are people who would who would strongly disagree with you and they they think and i i agree with what everything that you said but they think like no d1 strikes were so much better and to an extent, I think maybe 
they remember the Dark Blade and Shield Brothers and Wretched Eye because those were newer and they were clearly better than the other strikes where you go in a room and some big, you know, crazy tanky dum dum just walks around for a while. Volus to Arc, the Sepik Strike. It's just a big servitor. Like that's all it is. Like you're just you're shooting a servitor and trying to survive the waves of enemies. And so I think. I do think that that's one of the things that did happen. I think a lot of people's memory of strikes from Destiny 1 got sort of jaded because they just remember, oh man, Shield Brothers was so much better and, and, and a la cool was so much better than the strikes that we had up to that point. And then obviously, like you said, Wretched Eye. I mean, Wretched Eye could be really frustrating with the right modifiers, so it, it feels more involved. And so... it. 100% agree that we're going to want to see more done in these strikes and boss fights and I would imagine knowing Bungie they're going to want to do that they're going to want to kind of take us by surprise and do something um, I would love it if they go you go in and you kill Sepix and it seems really really easy but then it triggers something else because there's that whole area behind with the water and stuff you could put a big boss or something out there that kind of like rises up out of the water as like a surprise like yeah you guys thought you just melted him and you think oh that was easy and then have like a second uh, part of the fight just because one thing D1 did that a lot of people complained about is they were like it just always feels like a perpetual horde mode you know I go into a room scan something with my ghost and then I stand here and fight and then I go into another room and I do that. And so I'm, I'm curious if they even go down into the individual rooms and encounters and update them as well. Yeah, the, it, this is something that um, someone on the Patreon chat just brought up or that uh, the two, uh, the Wretched Eye, no, I, I'm not sure if Wretched Eye was PS4 exclusive, but I know uh, Echo Chamber was, but I think Wretched Eye is also something mechanically that Bungie needs to look at again because I, I think that is my favorite strike of all time. If you, if you want to be, if you know the truth, that is my favorite strike of all time solely because of that boss mechanic. Hmm. It's, it's interesting. They've never done it before and they, or, and they never did it after. Well, and wasn't he, um, you had to do something to take his shield down, didn't you? Wasn't he, the boss was shielded and you had to like do something in the room to get his shield down? I think there was just, um, there was the certain enemies that you had to kill. Um, but yeah, it's like having an enemy that were that was just walking around. You couldn't kill him, and he didn't start moving until I or he didn't. And then if you give him to a certain damage phase, then he started getting more aggressive and started running at you. Like we haven't had anything like that before, like ever. And I feel like that when we're talking about difficulty and implementing something, you know, obviously they're not implementing um, plague lands in, but something like that strike, I feel like could have more room in destiny 2 and i i don't obviously don't want things just copy and paste it in but i feel like that would have more room in the landscape that destiny 2 is right now mm-hmm. than any of the other strikes in the game yeah well i think yeah people in chat are saying it was the one with the orbs yeah i think you had to kill something in the room and get an orb and then like hit him with it to take his shield down because he spawned without the shield and you could do a bunch of damage to him but then he got a shield back um i can't remember what it was or maybe you got a buff didn't something drop on the ground and you got the buff and then when you shot and his shield came down um yeah there was something in that fight that i i actually think that 
the uh, the wretched eye fight was was good unless you had really bad modifiers. Like if you had, <laughs> if it was a nightfall with arc burn, like the shanks would come down and one shot you. Like it was terrible. Um, but the, I did like how it was a bit more raucous in the room with you know that big old ogre running around. So we'll have to wait and see. You know, I, I think I feel like we answered the question. You know, I I, I agree. Public space going to need to be changed a lot as well. Uh, as we've just said, strikes as, as uh, in addition. So Nagi coming in with the next question. Do you think vaulting exotics, like the Aeon cult exotics, would make sense in order to rework them? I don't think you need to vault them to rework them. Just rework them. They update exotics and change them all the time, whether they nerf, buff, or change the way that they function. Um, so I'm... I, there are the exotic discussion uh, isn't necessarily related to the DCV because I I would agree with you I would comb through a lot of exotics weapons and armor and say man oh man this thing is is worthless or who on earth would ever wear or use this weapon uh, or wear this armor um, so I I would I would 100% get behind some of these things getting updated but I don't think you need to vault something in order for it to uh in order for it to to be fixed so i i don't know what you you could comment on this specifically or maybe there's exotics you think you know need to be updated as well avenger yeah i mean if you look at something like sanguine alchemy that happened right before uh trials it got a complete rework on its perk like it completely changed from what it did um and i feel like that's a good example that they can they can change a items exotic perk like that drastically just do it and you know that being precedent i feel like they could start doing these things to the um to the thing or to the uh exotics uh like the only way i could see this i wouldn't say vaulting i would say and this is gonna make some people angry um sunsetting the exotics and then bringing them back in another expansion but with a completely different perk you know you have your year one aeon soul that does you know the bad thing that it does now and you bring it back and then now it's a good one and your year your year four your five one is now you know completely different and new and that way if you wanted to use that one maybe had some weird build back then and you wanted to go into public space and test it out you can use it it's still there and then you have the exotic there where one it's going to take less bandwidth to make a new model and all you're going to be doing is changing the perks so you're going to get more exotics out yeah that's I the don't... only way i can see that yeah, I don't know if I like the idea of having of having two versions of a, of an exotic. I, I hear where you're coming from. You don't want to bust somebody's build who actually was using it, but generally speaking, they do that anyway. Like they they when they messed with shards or when they messed with um, you know skull of the dire Ahamkara. I mean, I guess they didn't completely change them how they work. They just nerfed them, but. I would say it would get a little confusing if you're going to mess with, you know, Aeon, as we're talking here, you know, the Aeon cult ones, it, you know, dodging grants the following to nearby cult allies. So somebody else has to wear these, okay? Or I'm not doing anything, okay? So if, if a warlock gets grenade energy, titans get melee, and then hunters get dodge. Um, and then other allies receive a fraction of the shared energy. So sure, you're, you're giving some energy to people not wearing it, but like, at its core like this item is just anytime you make an exotic that depends on other people using the exotic I I worry that it's an exotic with I call it like a it's got a groove carved into it for a crutch it's like the only way this thing works is you got a crutch on other people using it and that doesn't feel exotic uh, to me at all It, it feels like the opposite of an exotic it's just stand on its own so I would say 
I I can I can um, sympathize with your your idea about oh there should be a year year four version year three version so people could still use the old one if they want. Um, I would disagree with that because I not because I think it's a bad idea but because I think they've never done it before and it would get really confusing and muddled to be like which version am I supposed to wear just update it and make it not terrible and then people will you know wear it and and, and experiment with it yeah that was just something I just thought of literally on the spot I was just I was just thinking off the top of my head of how even you know that situation could be even viable in a sense so that's the only way I could think of it and even then you just completely pulled apart well, and but like I said, I, I don't. I, I think the intention is good, but I think in practice it would it would create confusion. I think for folks, because mm-hmm. uh, historically speaking, Bungie's never done that. Like if they reevaluate a, an exotic and change it, um, they just update. You know, they just update the exotic, and people just have to learn to live with it. You know, and so I would. <clears throat> I don't know how many you could go in here and say need this treatment. We would call this. Um, I guess call it evolutionary treatment. It needs to evolve into something else. Some of these are just stupidly designed. I, I, I don't want to be mean, but they're just kind of stupidly designed. Like no one's going to want their entire team running Aeon Swift. And why are you running it? Oh, well, I can get my energy back quicker if I dodge. Am I, and and do, do they have to be nearby? <laughs> yeah, they have to be yeah. nearby. That's the other thing. It's like, so I need to dodge near my allies well a lot of the times i'm off fighting and dodging i'm not next to them so now i got a handhold and like it's just yeah it's too this thing feels like a i, I like a i don't know like an experiment gone wrong a lot of these other ones you can kind of see some of the benefits of why you would wear them you know obviously shards things like this you know melee reloading your weapons you know even even that you know a melee hit reloading your weapon i mean that you have a perk called grave robber on weapons right now and so it's like this is an exotic really um that doesn't that doesn't <laughs> <Yeah>. seem <laughs> this doesn't seem very nice now i suppose sealed ahamkara grasps with knife trick might be kind of nice um because you can really get you can really get that playing with fire knife trick going and kind of keep re- reloading your gun but i can't think of an instance where that would have a lot of utility um I do think one of the challenges that they're always going to run into with exotics is there's only so much utility and power you can give us before you do start to have ones that are like that. They're on the fringe, they're more gimmicky, and they don't really have an end-game context. They don't even have a mid-game context. Like, I can't imagine going into content and being like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw blades to reload my weapon. Like, why? What am I doing where that that's helpful? I you know, unless the only way I could see it being helpful is if you're running something like Xeno, where the reload is awful, and you're like laying into the boss, and you throw the blades, and that reloads the gun, like that, you know, just doing some damage. If it was a, you know, a closer boss like in Reckoning, but you can dodge to reload. <laughs> like you, you've given a, you've given a reload exotic to uh, a character that can that can dodge to reload every nine seconds. So some of these exotics have been invalidated with time because they're old and they're stayovers from D1 and the power creep of our abilities and our loadouts and our stats is invalidating some of their their exotic status, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I 100% agree there. Next question from Darksider. He says, could the DCV serve as a mid-year content bump to make seasons feel less drip feed content for more hardcore players. I don't actually know because I don't, we're obviously theorizing about, hey, 
you can suddenly bring back D1 content on the regular. Did something change? So it could be that, yes, the the seasons don't feel so dry. They're able to give us, a, as you're saying, a mid-year content bump because usually spring is really slow. Summer things get back on track and then September is a home run, in this case, November. So I, they certainly could do this, but at the same time, how have they increased their staff have they increased their development efficiency can they make more content this year if they're if the if the quantity of content is about the same as it was in the past i don't know if we're gonna see this um i don't think it's a sudden reason they just didn't want to before even still i mean as an armchair developer i i i can say it feels like having to copy something one-to-one would be slightly more painstaking and slow than just creating something new. Um, and I, I don't know if that's if that rings true in development or not, but that, that, that feels logical to me that like if, I, if I have to one-to-one copy the Cosmodrome, this building, this car, this bush, this hallway, I feel like that's going to have an effect on efficiency. So that's why I think there was a technological change that's allowing them to port D1 assets in an easier way uh, than before. Um, me and my uh, coworkers use the same reason if we don't feel like doing it. <laughs> well, okay, so we don't know the reason. We don't know the reason. So let's let's ignore that for a second and just say, unless they have increased staff efficiency, or technological, you know, tools to speed up both both the bandwidth as well as how, you know, how efficiently they can deliver content. It's one thing if you have more people working <clears throat> so you can be doing more. That doesn't necessarily mean you can suddenly deliver more content because you still have to funnel everything through quality assurance and debugging and everything else. Uh, so I don't know if the DCV automatically translates into... Yep, we're going to be able to get mid-season bumps or mid-year bumps, and they're going to give us more content. Is year four going to be more substantive and more beefy than year three? I certainly hope so. I feel like year three was light to feed year four, and then since year four got fed, that can that's that that's we're always carrying that uh, bandwidth surplus into the next year. So year three gave a surplus to year four by trimming down skeleton crew, less content year four gets this surplus. And then we just keep carrying that surplus to the next year because they were they're They're going to be able to finish stuff for year four earlier and quicker because they got a head start. That'll give them a head start on year five. If that makes sense. What do you, I, what do you think about this topic Avenger? Yeah, um, to, to go off the question, um, I believe the end of it says um, to make seasons feel less droop-fed content for the hardcore players. And from someone who definitely understands that pain, um, our Garden of Salvation is going to be your only raid that you're getting for the whole year. And I'm not saying, you know, Bungie's being lazy or whatever, because, you know, again, you know, you have, and I looked this up, they have 757 employees around probably, I would say, a good like 200 of them are probably going to be people who aren't even developing the game because that's all of Bungie. That's not that's including your HR, your advertising, all that. It could be even more. Um, and then you have a new IP that you're developing and you're doing parallel development. There's no way you're going to be able to do the same content structure that you had in year two. So, you know, I understand that as from, you know, uh, understanding the developer and under- seeing those numbers. I understand that. 
and you know and so, as a hardcore player where the only thing i'm doing is just doing garden of salvation over and over and over again um you know getting the prophecy dungeon to release really made this season a little a lot better it, it made the grind a lot better it helped me um you know it gave me another goal was to go for solo flawless prophecy it gave me a goal to do as a hardcore player with the vault of glass coming back as a hardcore you know that's going to be your pinnacle you know we're going to add a second raid in for the year so that way the hardcore players have something to grind for vault of glass is not going to be hard i can 100 percent say that off the top of my head that it will not be hard unless they make the enemies extremely difficult but even then there's it's no way because the unless they change mechanics in the raid all they're gonna do is put overload minotaurs in there and that's gonna be your champions and maybe some overload or some barrier hobgoblins but that's not gonna cause any issues and everyone already knows how to do all of the mechanics um so unless there's a mechanical change that there there isn't many mechanics in that raid so i don't see at least the raids that they're going to come back with i don't think it's going to stave off the you know drip fed issues with um the hardcore players because the hardcore players are even more hardcore than they were in d1 so they know how to do things and it's a lot easier well i, I want to make sure too when we answer a question like this I think there are two types of hardcore players. There are hardcore players that think everything in the game is too easy and they run with the same crew all the time and they nothing is really challenging for them. And I do think to a certain degree those players are they're a little biased and jaded. Maybe they think a little bit too too much of themselves because they are always running with the same crew. Uh, and all content, no matter where you go, no matter what game you play, is going to get easier with repetition. Uh, there were even fights in Sekiro. I remember being like, this is ridiculous, this is cheap, this is stupid, anger, anger, rage, rage, and then it clicks. And then all of a sudden, things that were knocking my head off, I'm parrying and blocking or dodging like it's nothing. I suddenly see the Matrix, right? So every game, even the hardest of games become easier with repetition even people that become you know experts at dark souls or secure would, would would echo this sentiment that no matter how hard you make content repetition will minimize challenge over time so there is that branch of hardcore player that wants everything to be way harder way tougher you know they 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 think grandmaster nightfalls are great right well even some of those players don't think grandmaster nightfalls are great they think they're kind of you know boring and slow they don't feel like it's like a true difficulty but there are also hardcore players that just want to play a bunch and grind a bunch Bunch, and they're not looking for teeth kicking hard blistering content and so as far as when I you know when I look at this play this question I feel like Darksider has in his mind more players that just play a lot not necessarily players that are looking for that really really crazy challenge I think the people looking for the really crazy challenge are a, a significant minority in the game in the in the pool of uh, destiny community but I think a larger pool in the hardcore hemisphere just wants to play a lot. They love running raids. They love grinding for stuff. They want to, you know, they want to get loot. They want new activities and new pursuits throughout the season because they get about a month in and they've exhausted everything. Um, so I, I don't know if year four is going to be, there's two things here, two questions. Will it be paced differently? Right? Because we're not having expiring content anymore. So pacing could be different. You could see loot injections halfway through the season into the seasonal 
content. Like if they would have done that in, in, in Sundial, people would have been ticked. They're like, I only have a month and a half before this content goes away. So the fact that content's sticking around for longer, pacing could change in year four. Depth, quantity, and substance could also change in year four. We could just get more stuff. It could take you longer to get that seasonal aspirational armor pursuit quote unquote done it could take you longer to get everything that you want out of the raid those are two question marks that we have right now like we don't know we don't know if pacing is going to be any different because they're letting stuff last longer and we don't know if substance is going to be is going to be better you know or, or higher or whatever uh because year, year three felt really light you know and if we have another year three then we kind of if, if if year four feels like year three in size and substance then we have our answer Bungie's found their stride and rhythm and what they can maximize and what they can actually push out and i think a lot of people will feel i think appropriately disappointed that man we didn't really we haven't really ascended any higher uh than year three um year three didn't feel light to me ah it's Oof. subjective but man I, I don't know how you look at year three and not say it didn't feel light even right now it feels light I mean, if you're comparing it to like Taken King, like a lot of like I still look at year three and I would rather have year three than I would have Taken King era because Taken King era, I didn't have anything for a whole year. At least I have stuff to do now for, you know, seasonal stuff. I didn't have anything in Taken King. Yeah, (laughs) I agree with that. I I think that when did we talk? We talked about this a long time ago. One of the reasons I think people don't like this current format and they look so fondly on eras like Taken King and Rise of Iron is they literally weren't playing so they don't have memories like you have memories of taken king you have memories of rise of iron but when the droughts hit and you took a break you don't have memories of destiny there it's like this big giant vacancy in the memory log because you literally weren't playing right now you play every week every month so you're more you're more keenly aware of when the game gets thin and the game gets dry because you are literally never taking breaks in destiny 1 you took breaks so you don't remember the month or the two months that you just didn't play destiny it doesn't register as a negative memory because there is no memory so i think the lack of memory from those years and those droughts is it, it really uh it compromises our recollection of how great those times were and now we're just we're we're so so keenly aware when things thin out and i one of the one of the things i think we're we're seeing right now is folks are anticipating the structure to be really really front heavy and so they blister everything for the first month and then they're like yeah i'm done right and so I would hope that they would they would consider that and space things out more. They don't need to make things so front heavy since stuff's not you know not expiring. Darksider says if your goal isn't just loot and light level, there's quite some stuff to do and play bit by bit and enjoying the journey and not focusing just on the goal of loot. Well, I I don't think this many years into the franchise you can expect people's uh, players. I'm sorry, you can't you can't expect the players' affinities and habits to change it's a game that has largely set our sights on here's a content loop here is loot and that's usually what we what we gravitate toward and to expect me to not do that and to not be like man there's no real there's no guns you know in 
Season of the Worthy, or man, the guns I got them so easy in Season of Dawn. Uh, and, and to not expect that to be sort of my affinity and how I play, we're too far down the line. I'm not going to start chasing triumphs or achievements or all these other little these little, little micro goals. I just I don't play in that way. So I feel that you're not wrong in saying there are other things to do, but. And I don't, I don't, I also don't think you're wrong to say if you only focus on power level and you only focus on loot, that's that's going to narrow, you know, the scope of what you can engage with. I don't necessarily think you're wrong in saying that, but Bungie has to know their audience. Like that's what we want. I want a content loop, and I want dope stuff to chase. And I think I'm in good company. I think most people, that's what they're wanting to do. Like, what's the new? What? How do they sell the content? You know, whenever they have the trailers and stuff, they show you the loot. They show you the guns. You know. And they show off the activity. I think that's I think that's the the main uh, you know the main string on the banjo that really gets that really gets strummed is the content loot and the loot chase. Like I think that's basically what folks look for every three months is what's the new activity and what what the you know what what is uh, what's the loot that I'm chasing. You know, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna. Like, there's a few people who do this, but I'm not going to load up destiny to go for sightseeing journeys throughout the stuff there are a few people who do that um i know a few people who do that uh but that's not your core demographic your core demographic is going to be people who play the game play the game because they're getting the loot they're using the loot to then play the game more and then they're using the guns that they got to then go and get more loot it's it's a cycle and that's kind of the core concept of the game is shoot enemies get loot Use that loot to shoot more enemies and get more loot. That that's always been the core concept of the game. And I think yeah. you know, saying that oh, you, that you need to. There's some stuff to do here and there that isn't that. Um, but you know, have just because there's some stuff to do that isn't that doesn't mean the whole season was solid. I mean, the season was very lacking with a lot of things. It was disconnected from the community when Seraph Towers dropped. That was something that we've. <laughs> we said two years ago don't do this again and then two years later they did it again yeah. and then it, it's just that this whole year has been it was disconnected in season of the worthy i think i think that whole season was just disconnected um season of dawn had some good story elements but and the sundial was good but other than that it was uh, to me it was very lacking especially with the exotic quests um y- the only thing you had there was um quarters of time and mm-hmm it just it, this whole year just seemed very like lackluster and and dying undying separate from shadow keep was also very lackluster yeah yeah so i uh i think we can move on from this one i think that was that was good back and forth good discussion and uh we'll have to wait and see again will the rhythm change and will the substance change because year four uh I, i'm what i'm smelling from the kitchen is thanksgiving dinner and not lunch like i feel like everything they've been saying they're cooking up something big and so that's the the hunch and the instinct that i have but we don't have much to go on yet with respect to content delivery rhythm and content substance for year four so necro Question five, Necro was really looking forward to us engaging with this one. Is it possible with the DCV that Bungie can now merge the best of Destiny 1 and Destiny 2 and make the best experience? Well, I I don't, I mean, I feel like this is the goal. I, I, I feel like the idea is, they called it pull out the greatest hits. Um, 
And I also think they didn't want to start over again with D3. That was something that Luke Smith and Noseworthy said in their little video that they made. They were like, we did not want to start all the way over and and basically reset the game. Um, And so... I think that's the goal. It's, it's, it's like if you read through the things that I read, there's like a two-pronged approach here. There's a technological goal. We just we cannot maintain the game. It is just a bear right now, right? And then the other goal is let's bring back some of the best content. Let's bring back some of the greatest hits and really let the game breathe, but also feel a sense of renewal. You know, you're making space so that the rose bush can flourish and you're like well you know i'm i'm sick of that content i'm not i don't want to go back and play that content i would just let them do it and then see what you think after i think again that as i said in my video that these people who have like a video game religion and they're so their conviction is that anything being brought back recycled or reused is wrong i think is an untenable position i don't think you can look at games like destiny and say always new always moving forward you just eventually have dead derelict activities planets and spaces that are that that serve zero purpose um so i think i've said this for a very long time that they need to comb back through the game and repurpose it and retool it because stuff's just lying there derelict what purpose does it serve i like bungie has answered that problem with the most well-rounded response all right you're right you guys are right, you know, all this stuff's dead, derelict, dormant, nobody goes there. Okay, well, we'll remove it, and we'll bring back some old stuff from our greatest hits, we'll repurpose it, recycle it, you know, and I'm like, okay, they're going further than I was going to go. I was just like, comb back through the game, planet at a time, and re-skin, resurface, repurpose the activities, the strikes, all of it, and that was kind of what I wanted them to do, and they're doing it in a, in a, in a sense. They're doing it. Eventually, some of this stuff will come back, and then it will be repurposed, rebuilt, and retooled. Um, so, do they need to redesign, or can they straight port things in? We had that question a little bit ago. I don't think they can just straight port things in. I do think they need to add some depth. Um, we talked about that, you know, um, a little bit ago. With I, for, I forget whose question it was. I think it was Doge's question. Um, so I, if you want, you want to chime in on this Avenger, cause I, I think this is essentially the goal is to make the best experience by combining the two. Yeah. I feel like uh, he's saying like combining them, but I don't think it's in, in the sense combining them. I think it's destiny two itself is a complete game. And I think, you know, this last year with it being light, they still had a lot of core concepts that they're going to build off of. And then you take this good stuff, the good stuff um, from D one and you're gonna put that into D2. Um, my favorite, the, the one thing that I think D1 does exceptionally well is the loot system and the amount, the loot that it drops, and how well designed the cool armor sets were. How designed or the um, the special armor that you get, like the cloaks from the flares, you know, the dark blade helmet, stuff like that. Those loot and then the raid loot. I feel like that stuff was always interesting, and that's one thing that I think Destiny One does a lot better than uh, Destiny Two. That same sentiment is like the only thing that i can see coming from d1 into d2 which would be combining the best experience because even if you're bringing vault of glass even if you're bringing these strikes back my biggest concern is okay you're bringing will of crota fallen saber and um what's the other one uh sepix um you're bringing these three strikes back okay are they gonna be in nightfall or deals 
how are champions going to be affected in that you don't really have much fluff in willow crota you can speed run that real quick how long is that going to last what kind of champions are you going to add um or is it just going to be a normal strike and then how is that going to be interacted with there's a lot of things you have to look at that how is vault of glass is it going to be the same loot from the original um you know what's going to come back what's not going to come back um is vex class going to be there is there going to be a different difficulty like there's a there's a lot of questions that are unanswered there and i feel like that d1 had some good things but i think d2 as a whole as a game is already a whole game and you're not combining them you're just tacking on the d1 stuff and it needs to be changed to d2 and not be the same d1 stuff that it had or else it won't be it won't be something that is fondly remembered upon it will be oh well they brought back this strike but it's useless and boring and no one wants to go do it so you know i prefer the d1 one better that that's what the content will end up being if they don't change it yeah i at, at this point i have to agree that i don't i don't think they're going to try to bring the two together also we have to read you know necro's you know, question accurately because somebody in chat said I don't think they're trying to bring you know the two together to completely coexist. He said merge the best of Destiny One and D Two and, and make the best experience. I, I I do think they kind of hinted at that when they said greatest hits, but they also hinted at the fact that like if something's old and not getting engaged with, it's just going to get chopped. Um, and I think that's the right decision. You know, if you've got a planet or a strike or a piece of content, you know, imagine. If Archon's Forge would have been in Destiny 2 from the very beginning, let's just use Archon's Forge as an example. If it would have been in Destiny 2 from the very beginning, by now, you'd be completely in your right to remove it because nobody would be engaging with it. It, it, Content just does that. It just drifts. It just drifts to the fringes and barely gets touched. And it just, to me, makes sense. Get it out of there. Put something else in its place. Or what I always argued for was at repurpose it. Change the mechanics, change the bosses, add some loot. So at least there's a reason to go engage with it. So I'm I'm happy with either decision, whether something gets repurposed and shoved back in or taken out because nobody's touching it. I think in either scenario, they're making the right decision, which will, as you're saying here, it'll lead to the, a better experience because the game will be smoother. They said they're going to be able to make changes faster. I mean, they said that in in the bullet points that I read. They are going to be able to make uh, quicker changes. Um, it says right here, this approach allows us to respond to player feedback more rapidly, enable more innovation, and will keep D2 and your characters thriving for the years to come. It's interesting that they included the word innovation in there. Again, I, I feel that's hinting at some form of a technological change that's allowing them to do more like, why is removing planets allowing you to do more innovation? I don't, that feels like a non sequitur. Oh yeah, if we take this planet out, we can do more innovation. What do those two have to do with it? What do you mean? How? I think it's because there, there's there's a fundamental technological change happening in the game, and the DCV is part of it. So, hmm. I, I definitely agree with that. There, there's something going on behind the scenes that are not telling us, in my opinion. Next question from Real Kelia. With many things marked as being vaulted in XX days on many API researching sites, do you think that content will ever come back like Fallen uh, Hive Mods? Well, they um, have said they have said that this stuff will come back later if they you know if they want to bring it back if they feel like it's worthy and it'll it'll come back changed. They're not just going to say, "Hey, it's been a year or two. Leviathan's back in the game, and uh, we didn't do anything to it." Um, so, I, 
now there's also no guarantee that stuff comes back they may decide to never bring back mercury and i don't think anybody would complain about that uh they may never bring back you know leviathan they may just not see the point they're like yeah it's too old like nobody cares we got all this other raid dungeon stuff going on all these other end game grinds um so i don't think there's a guarantee it comes back but i also think that if it does come back they've made it very clear that things will come back and and be updated changed and and overhauled i mean we know the dungeon is going away and coming back for technical reasons more signs pointing to the game being uh different at an engine level uh in year four Uh, else why else would you have to take out the dungeon you know that (laughs) that's pretty significant they think about it all right think about it they are vaulting half of the game and they're vaulting the dungeon and the dungeon can't come back until they make a technical under the hood change to it so that right there is that's all the breadcrumbs I need to say they've, they have made engine changes at a minimum they've made engine changes engine updates or something for whatever version we're playing in November because you are in essence vaulting the dungeon and then bringing it back so that also means if anything that gets vaulted is brought back there will be changes made to it at a technical level but I think also at a substance level um, I can't see them being like yeah IO's back and it's exactly the same you know I I think if you want to take this Avenger I think we would apply the same principle we've been applying here that if something gets unvaulted it needs some semblance of a change yeah I I definitely like something needs to change with the content no matter if it's D1 content from year one or if it's D2 content that just got changed um, there needs to be a change of it another thing that I find interesting though and we'll have to see how it's implemented but Vault of Glass being on Venus, how is that, you know, you have something that's on a, we don't have Venus, so how is that going to be implemented? Are they going to put us into it directly? Is it going to be, you know, Venus, that like zone of Venus brought in? Because if that's, if they just put a zone of Venus in there, like that area that you spawn into, um, and you have to go up the left side to get up to, or you can jump on the pillars to go to the top right one with the Vex portal on the outside. I don't Mm -hmm. know what they're going to be doing with that, but if they if they can do a small like instance area on venus i think that some of the content so maybe a strike or something like that could be brought back in some sense where you know they only have like one outside area that's locked off so you can't go there and you're still able to do the strike and then maybe they could do changes to the strike and that way they could put that strike in on the fly Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, thank you, Vinny, for clicking the join button and becoming a Rageous member. Enjoy the emotes and the perks in Discord. I think people in chat have got it, too. I mean, they could put, um, somebody saying there's even screenshots of the vault on Nessus. They could easily do that. There's just literally a portal that you would walk through. (laughs) And there it is. You know, you're there. They could also cut the opening. That we don't need to be outside. You could literally walk through a portal and you're in the vault of glass. I mean, they could cut the opening and add another encounter or something or maybe make the gorgons like an actual encounter with loot and then that would replace your opener basically not replace it in in chronological order but replace it with respect to like you would get something from it um so if if you're going i think if you're going to bring stuff like that back i would love for it to be attached to venus and venus returning venus was my favorite planet from destiny one I thought it had the coolest design elements, the water, the grass. I love anytime there's 
overgrown old buildings and there were statues there was the venus statue in the one you know inside the one building i thought venus was the best looking planet in the game and if if they're not going to bring it back that's a bit of a bummer but i do think people are right they can easily slap up a, a, a portal anywhere <laughs> and be like yeah just walk through it uh it also could be the beginnings of you know time travel i mean you could always do this through the stranger i i believe that she can time travel you know she could say we need to go back we you know we need to learn and study and so we need to go back to the vault of glass and it's going to be a different version it's a dark future version or something to learn like what went wrong um maybe it could be a simulation or something as well you know Mm -hmm. so next question from rockstar with the DCV a thing, do you think Forsaken is going to be free on release of Beyond Light so they can vault the Tangled Shore and rework it to give more purpose rather than a Glimmer Bank? I mean, this is like one of those hyper-specific questions that we're not going to be able to say much to this. I, I, <laughs> I'll answer the first half. They're all, they're going to continue to go back to, to, to the older content, you know, Forsaken and stuff, and just that's just going to be free. It's going to new light's going to get bigger every year, in essence. Well, not necessarily now because they're chopping a lot of what came with it, but they're always going to say, "Oh yeah, Forsaken's old enough now. Throw everything in to new light. Shadow Keep's old enough now. Throw everything uh, into new light. Throw the planet, the strikes, all of it." I, I think new light's always going to get that quote unquote uh, hand me down update. You know, when your 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 brother got too big for his 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 jeans and his jacket or whatever and you got it it's gonna be a hand-me-down of like well this content's old enough now to trickle down into new light to the second part of your question i don't have an answer for you i don't know if they're gonna vault tangled shore and rework it because it's just a glimmer bank um i think when they decide to vault tangled shore uh i don't think anybody's really gonna care I think Dreaming City has a lot of appeal and a lot of a lot of people really really like it. So they're gonna have to be really really delicate with that one. Um, resolving the curse would probably want to happen first before they do that, um, and then you could maybe vault it after. Uh, I don't know if you have any commentary on this because it's it seems like a pretty sp- specific question about you this. Bl- you just blew my mind completely. Um, ending the curse would be so next so the next expansion that would be so you'd have forsaken would be free um once all this content's gone for new light then the next expansion would be about witch queen and the content that because of sabathun sabathun's the one that put the curse on the the dreaming city sabathun being the witch queen that just that just makes sense that the content's gonna leave um so i I would assume that the beyond the new light would just continue okay well you know hey you get this content this year okay well now you get shadow keep this year okay now you get beyond light this year like it just like you said the hand-me-down thing that kind of goes on mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i and I, I i think that does line up with with witch queen like when witch queen maybe when witch queen arrives it's like this content's on its last year because we'll resolve all that and then when that year ends it's all gone like or maybe it dis- because you know how they're using the pyramid ships it seems like they're going to be using the pyramid ships to make sense of why these planets disappear uh, maybe something happens leading up to Witch Queen and Savathun makes the Dreaming City and the Tangled Shore disappear like she basically you know takes them to another realm and we, we can't see them anymore they might decide to do story elements and then that's why we have to go fight her because we're like oh my goodness like they, she just literally took a planet um 
like that could be something cool like she's ascended to higher than just being like a taken king that takes races she literally takes a planet for her own um there could be some some lore or story elements to that because it is going to seem strange if this year they kick off you know planetary retirement with a story element are they going to do that every year are they going to be like yeah, uh, that planet's just gone now, you know, or are they going to always have a reason? I, you know, I would think they would try to have story element reasons so it's not so mechanical. Like, yeah, that planet's just gone. Um, cause I, I, I don't know. I like this. I think looking at this and seeing these planets are kind of marked and being, and being invaded, I, I like, and then they'll be gone. Like, you know, I think that'll, that'll make sense to folks, uh, about, about how it's all, uh, how it's all going to be, be timed. So, Rarus with the next question. What, in your opinion, should come back from D1? I like Wrath, a machine uh, kind of raid. We'll come back when the Cosmodrome comes back fully. But it has to be different in some way to meet the standards. So, the second half of your question doesn't need to be discussed. We've done that 10 times over about how, if anything comes back, it needs to be um, updated. So, we can, we can skip that part of the question. But we can both answer maybe like, hey, what do you really, really want to come back? Uh, King's Fall and Wrath. That's all I care about. Everything else can burn. If I get King's Fall and Wrath, I'm happy. Like, everything else in D1 is great, and I love it, but if I can get those two things, I'm happy. I don't care about the planets, the strikes, the weapons, none of it. I don't care about the old tower. Gimme King's Fall and Wrath. That's it. And I know people are like, what about Crota? What about this? What about that? Like, people are going to be like, no, 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 no. I'm not saying just get rid of the rest of it i'm just saying all i all i really really want to see after vog obviously is wrath and uh and king's fall so what what would you pick what what, what are your picks avenger um definitely wrath um i think wrath in this the environment that d2 is right now i feel like would be a good it'd be interesting to see how they could implement it so i think it'd be a, probably the easiest raid to you know take from modify a little bit and throw into d2 um and i think even even though i hate to say it because i don't like king's fall i think king's fall could have a place in the system um that d2 has i, I really do i i don't think crotozen can come back crotozen was already short as it is um we already brought back moon so i, I think that if they want to keep the the system rolling um where they have you know well we're gonna bring back a raid and we're gonna bring back a destination i think with witch queen especially dreadnought king's fall bring that back and then i don't know how they're going to implement i think plague's land plague land and um wrath i think could come back as well um i, I think those those three look like cosmodrome it, mm-hmm. no matter i like venus better than mm-hmm. cosmodrome as well cosmodrome still that pinnacle you know nostalgia place in vault of glass was you know everyone loved vault of glass that's your year one dreadnought everyone loved dreadnought and everyone loved plague lens like those are some of the three best locations there that would probably be your locations that they're going to bring back we know they have plans to bring the dreadnought back so i could see that happening in the wake of witch queen um because that would fit her her timing and and her showing up um you know the the dreadnought coming back and then then bring back king's fall i could see them bringing back crota as a dungeon i could see you them dressing it up and turning into a three-man dungeon i think that would be hot um (laughs) sounds about right it already they already did that anyway in d1 so it's not really much of a difference 
Yeah, and it, and it is it is essentially a dungeon, and then they could change the mechanics to be hard for three people. It, it, like I really do. I think they could really really get a lot of play out of the mechanics in there. The 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 um the the lanterns, the bridge, the 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 death singer. Like I think those encounters could be really really fun with three people. The 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 rooms feel built built for that. You know, two people taking him down and one person wielding the sword. Like there's just something really really nice about that. If you consider the way the fight goes um in Pit of Heresy. Pit of Heresy is a good picture into how you could turn Crota into a dungeon. But I do think if like if Bungie's going to do this DCV thing, I cannot see them saying we're bringing back the greatest hits and and not bringing back King's Fallen Wrath. I I I just can't. There there is not a world where that makes any sense to me at all. I'd be like, here's a greatest hits album from Queen, and you leave out Bohemian Rhapsody. People are like what? Like you can't. You cannot do that. Those are the some of the highest points, some of the best locations in Destiny One. So we can, I, I think you can almost guarantee you get King's Fall. I think Wrath might be a little not as guaranteed, but I, I, at the very least, I would say no question King's Fall will make a return, given it's the greatest hits. Um, that that was one of like the biggest, most celebrated moments in in Destiny. Now, even if you're like, I don't like it very much, you still have to respect the scope and the size and what happens in that raid. Even if you're like, yeah, it's mechanically not my thing. Keep in mind, they could take that in consideration when they bring it back, right? They could make it more, they could adapt it more to what they do now with mechanical raids, so it could be more enjoyable. Keep that in mind. You guys are like, I hated King's Fall. Well, I mean, they would bring it back and contextualize it and maybe update it and make it better. Um, so, that would be, th- those would be my choices and kind of my reasoning be uh, behind it. Yeah, uh, and like, I, I think, you know, King's Fall... King's Fall was also one of the raids was very heavily in like heavily about the enemies being hard. You had your wizards that spawn, you had your knights that spawned, and those things would hurt a lot. And I don't mm-hmm. think you know, with that in D2, they would have to make some changes to see, you know, would those and en- those enemies wouldn't hurt as much in D2 because of just the power and how the game's set up. So and the mechanics, all the mechanics up to I would say all the mechanics up to Oryx are pretty cut in stone, pretty bare bones. I mean, you know, you're looking behind a rock to figure out what plate you're going to stand on. You stand on the plate and then you damage the boss. You know, I think Golgoroth was an interesting encounter. Um, Sisters was pretty basic as well. Um, And then Totems was just the same thing that we did in uh, Kronosaro, just in a different kind of sense, I guess. Yeah, so. my my wish list for for King's Fall is they would they would update Golgoroth so that one puddle doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like that mm-hmm. would be I my idea for for Golgoroth was always the same that every puddle adds a buff. So the more puddles you use, the stronger you get. So by the time you get to the sixth puddle, you're doing crazy amounts of damage. So puddles one through three would be pretty weak. Puddles four, five, and six would get significantly stronger. So you'd be like, dude, one puddle is dumb. We're gonna we're we're, we're not gonna kill him fast enough. He's gonna enrage. We don't like don't we don't do enough damage on one puddle strat. Like that's what I would do to update Golgoroth. So people would be like, what is going on? One puddle's not working. We're not doing any damage you know, uh, to him at all, um, that's, that's where I would take it. 
So, and I, I think the Witch Queen is is a is a is a context where you could bring back uh, the Dreadnought. I think she could she could be doing something there. She could somehow bring back Oryx and control him. I, you know, there's a variety of ways they could do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely want to see it back in like kind of that sense with Witch Queen. Yeah. Silk in the Wind says, any educated guesses as to how they will allow people to acquire the retired raid exotics? I think they're experimenting with that right now with how they increase drop rates when you don't get it. I don't know if they're going to do the dungeon loot logistics. That's what I've been arguing for. Um, I want dungeon loot logistics, which is I can keep playing all week. And slowly the loot pool gets larger as I play. And then the exotic drop rate would obviously, in that context, be very low and get higher the more you raid and don't get it. Um, That would be my guess based off of things they've done recently. Based off of what they did to the existing raids with exotic drop rate rules and based off what they let us do in the dungeon. That's my theory. Do you, what do you, what do you think? The biggest thing I look at is because I, I went through um, the exotics, I think, last week, and I was looking, I was like, I wonder what exotics are going to be leaving, and I'm looking at the quests that are tied to them, and I'm already looking at a bunch of planetary exotics that are leaving, so, and they have to implement those in as well as then doing these raid exotics, and there's something like Terabuzz isn't really going to be, you know, insanely good, but you also have to think, you, you know, you have your Legend of Acrius as well. Um, Legend of Acrius is a whole quest to then go do the raid and then you get the gun. Um, it, it wasn't just a lucky drop. You had to do the full quest of it. Um, so I don't, I don't even know what they're going to do with the whole quest thing for that one uh, because you already have a base quest. It's not just something, oh, well, this this gun dropped from you know 1K. We could just do a quest in the Dreaming City where you can go through and you can, um, you know, Dreaming City, or not Dreaming City, I want to say I'm 1K, um, but you have Legend of Acrius, um, Teraba, Teraba, you know, how are they going to implement that? It's going to be interesting to see because if Leviathan's gone, Kalos is most likely going to be gone. So who would even, like, would it be something from Benedict? How is that going to be implemented? Um, I would say there would be quests that they would add, and I don't think all of the quests will be available at uh, launch of Beyond Light. I think they're going to segment that out with seasonal content. Yeah, they said there'll be new ways to earn the exotics originally linked to the content that has entered the DCV. So new ways to earn is very vague, so we don't really know. Um, And then as far as, you know, uh, oh, I answered this question poorly. I was talking about the new raids. You answered it correctly. I misunderstood it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The retired stuff, they just, they've said they're going to have new ways to earn it. So I'll have to wait and see. Um, So we're already in an hour, so I'm going to go a little bit quicker uh, on these questions. Hunter says, with the DCV, will armor and weapons be removed from the game? I could see this being really bad. Also, I think sunset weapons should be unnerfed like the 180 Luna. No, no, DCV, you're, they're not, they've not indicated that the items will be removed. Like, they'll still be in your inventory, but you, you can't go get them. You know, now the exotics, they're going to make, they're going to, they're going to fix that. So, you know, exotics that you could get from Leviathan, uh, like, you know, Taraba will be you'll be able to get them some other way as far as the actual loot they have not indicated loot being being taken away from you it's just sunsetting is the only thing they're doing to limit infusion and then it's no longer end game viable um 
Yeah, and then I think Sunset Weapons should be unnerfed like 180 Luna. I, I'm going to let Avenger take that one just because there's nothing, there's nothing else he could say about clarifying stuff getting removed. That's that's a solid answer. But what do you think about the unnerfing of the Luna? Uh, I mean, do you? it matters what is going to be coming out with the new, with Beyond Light, because even if you have, you know, if you have a 180 that's strong, L- Luna and like NF... We're hitting massive range, and that's the if you had NF or Luna, that's what you were using in Crucible, no matter what you were in. You know, you were using that in quick play, um, and I still feel like Mountaintop is going to be used in quick play, and there's going to be all these guns that are going to be used in quick play. And I think NF is in a good spot, honestly. Like it, it's not something that's a crutch anymore. Um, and I know a lot of people are going to have that. Uh, they're going to have that view where, well, I spent all this time getting to legend and I spent all this time doing the quest. So I should be able to use this gun and it should destroy people. And, and I, I, I don't agree with that. I, I think it's a cool gun. I think it's a great design. Um, and it was a fun quest to do. Um, for me, at least I had fun going for 5,500 and playing with my friends and you know, getting better at the game and having something. And I think it's in a good state. Yeah, I, I really do. I think that NF is in a good state. It's still viable to use. Um, and you can still get kills with it. And it's it's got a decent TTK right now. And I don't think that, you know, bringing it back and anything else they nerf, bringing it back is not going to be um, something that is, they don't need to do that because then it's just going to muddle the waters of quick play and it, it's just going to cause issues. Yeah, I don't want to look backwards. I want to look forward. So I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, let's just move on. Like that... That has happened, and let's look for the new stuff, you know? Link with the next question. Why can't they do something similar to ESO or Star Wars Old Republic, where all the worlds are available? I'm going to have to glide over this one, because you have your answer right from Bungie. Like, the first bullet point. Like, the game just is too big to be managed, updated, and wielded. Like, they've they've answered this question in the thing um, that I read. So we're not going to belabor this uh, and and go too far on this one. They said, Destiny 2 is too large to efficiently update and maintain. Um, So other games have different engines, architecture, and potentially they have dedicated servers that shoulder some of that burden of storage uh, and worlds and stuff. So it's these types of questions they 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 have given you the answer in the blog post and when you go well this other game does it it just you're going to get lost in the weeds cuz every game is built differently um a lot of the games that are bigger and have larger more open worlds not only do they have dedicated servers they have a lot lower graphical fidelity uh, they don't the worlds look more bland because they are so enormous so they have to lower you know texture and lighting and shading and all of that so there's just there's so many differences between games it, you, you'll get lost making those comparisons Mr. Awesome with Xbox being involved with Bungie I know your theories uh, with that thoughts and stasis involved how do you think they could update platforming in the content coming from the DCV platforming you mean like literally like jumping around i mean i i think what you're what you're probably thinking about is stasis and the ability for me to make like platforms and stuff i don't have a whole lot to say here i mean i I don't know people were concerned about like oh we're gonna be able to get outside the maps we're gonna be able to get outside of areas um with the ice wall okay so i am tracking with you i mean I did this the other day in garden. I found a little nook and a little tree branch and I was like trying to climb and get up high. And it was like, deet, 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 deet. it's like, it's going to, it does the get back barrier thing. And that's all they're going to do. I mean, I, with, 
I, I don't think this is going to be an issue. I mean, do you think there's anything from D1 this will be an issue with Avenger, like platforming needing to be adjusted or changed because we can make platforms? I don't think that it will be an issue. The thing that I'm interested to see is the future con that they make and how big, like how much of a scale that they can do. Because if you look at a lot of the content now, it's very, there's a lot of congested areas. There's caves and there's, you know, small rooms and there's a lot of congested small areas. Have something big and open. Have something like the wall, you know, sector sector um, six fifteen or whatever the map was in D one, a big open area. And maybe you could, if you have stasis on, you could throw your grenade against the wall and you can get to an area they wouldn't be able to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see the future developments on how um, the areas that they have could be implemented with stasis. Yeah. Yeah, there were larger, some larger areas, like when you go to fight the walker and Sepix and stuff, that's a pretty big area, because you could snipe him from way back on some of the harder, <laughs> some of the harder modifiers. Um, so yeah, I'll be, I'll be interested to see, you know, what comes from it. I don't necessarily know, um, you're talking about like the platform from Kingsfall or Vog. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get where you're coming from. I don't think this ice wall is going to suddenly start invalidating, you know, sure, getting to the secret chest in in King's Fall. If King's Fall comes back, yeah, it might be a little bit easier to get up to the secret chest because you can be like, all right, dummy, you keep falling, and you, like, make them an ice wall. You know how you can do that in Breath of the Wild, right? You keep making the ice cubes to walk on. I mean, sure. I, I'm not... I am not uh, uh, too concerned about this. Um, I could see it helping with recovery in King's Fall. You know, imagine your relic runner drops and you're like, hang on, dude. And you throw the ice thing, make him a platform and he can get back up to where he was. That was always devastating when your relic runner dropped. I mean, it was over. By the time he got back up, it was too late, you know? So outside of those instances, I'm not, I am not, uh, I'm not seeing too many issues coming from it. Ashton Mm -hmm. with the next question. Two for one. Any worries about uh, how many farming spots we're going to be losing? No more Whisper, Castella, Mars, Lost Sector bosses. And also, have they said anything about planetary resources? Uh, So, planetary resources, they haven't said anything. So, we don't need to talk about that. There's nothing to say. They haven't said anything. But to your other question, they are supposed to be adjusting XP payout so that bounties don't become so central. I hope they also adjust bounties in their essence and their spirit so that no one cares about what you're saying here. I don't want anybody in year four to be like, oh man, these stinking bounties, I wish I still had Whisper and Castellum. Like, that... Losing those only matters in a context where 70% of your activity is lost sector bounty farming. So, like, if that aspect goes away, I am not concerned about this. I mean, Avenger, what... What about these, these these farming locations? Could you see this being a problem that we're losing them? Uh, honestly, you're making players play the game more than loading into one area and getting 500 kills. I I want that. I, I don't I don't want to feel like oh I got a new catalyst. Okay, I need to get 500 kills. Let me go run into Whisper and just go sit there for 10 minutes. Or oh, there's this bounty. I have to kill a bunch of Taken. Let me go run into Whisper and do that. I want to play the game more. Make it so I have to go interact with more things. Make it so I don't just load into a zone and be, okay, one thing and I already got, you know, check off on my list for, you know, half of my grinding spots. I want to be able to, I want to feel like I have to go play the game to get the things, not load into one area that's, you know, the most optimal thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. I think they need to start considering that, like, get 500 kills, but 
you get a multiplier in playlist activities. You get a bigger multiplier in endgame activities. You see what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, sure, you can find some weird version of a loot cave and shoot like Shiro Chi, right? Shiro Chi will probably become very popular. Well, make it more give give stuff like that if you're just supposed to get a bunch of kills make it more efficient to go somewhere and do that as opposed to loading into a lost sector or shiro chi so that that's on bungie that's an incentivization thing i always talk about like don't restrict my my behavior like this catalyst can only be completed in this area nothing else counts like don't restrict it just incentivize better behavior so that shiro chi becomes a stupid decision ultimately that's what you want to do yeah, fine, go run Shirochi. Uh, that, you can do that, but it's dumb. It's not nearly as efficient as grabbing your buds and running strikes or a nightfall. You're going to get way more credit. The percentage is going to fill faster. That's always how I want to approach this stuff. Create lanes that make sense. Like, I'm going to go over there and do it. Like, we, we take the path of least resistance, so make the path of least resistance in the content, in the activities. Like, that's all you got to do. If, if, if the best way to do this is in a strike with my buds, that's what I'm going to do. And I think that's ultimately where they need to start taking a lot of the, a lot of the structure is instead of, this is what I feel like Bungie tries to do, okay? We find slip and slides in the game. So, so imagine a slip and slide is the path of least resistance. Just whip. It's really short. Run it again. Whip. That, that's what we do. AFK forges. Whip, whip, whip. Or uh, nightmare hunts. Nightmare hunts is just this teeny little slip and slide. Slide on it. Go to the back. Slide on it. Go to the back. And we just keep running it over and over and over again. And so Bungie's like, oh no, no, we have to stop this. Like turn the water off on all these slip and slides. And people are like, why? We like that. Instead of doing that, make it obvious that like the slip and slide or the fast route or the or the better the better route the quicker routes over here in the strikes in the the raids dungeons nightfalls crucible so someone's like yeah i guess i could run nightmare hunts all day but the best way to go to get this stuff is to go over here in the new seasonal activity or in strikes like that's really what they need to focus on stop worrying about putting out these fires as it were like oh no 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 we got to find all these slip and slides and shut them down as i've said they just keep slamming down the cookie jar lid on our fingers you know stop doing that and put more put more things in the game that are more organic so then i go and do it instead of feeling like well we found another rewarding pathway that bungie shut down and then we feel like we're we're almost passively getting scolded and punished for finding rewarding pathways you know so i that's always the route i'm going to take i'm always going to apply that principle is if you're wanting me to change my behavior or go do something else then incentivize it or i'm never going to do it mm-hmm. L- last coke we says with dcv coming do you think bungie will use it to clean up the strike gamut crucible directories maybe bring back old activities like prison of elders or new ones so it's a two-parter um cleaning up strike gamut crucible directories so this will clean up the strikes because there's going to be strikes that leave so the strike playlist will get a little bit smaller that's actually good if they're adding new strikes because then those strikes have a greater chance of showing up i happen to think they should do a seasonal strike playlist that's only like five or six strikes 
and you go and you make the strikes different, add mechanics, make them newer, better, new new uh, modifiers, and then after that season's over, those five strikes rotate out, and five other strikes rotate in. So by the time you get done with the season, you're like, oh man, I'm sick of those strikes, it's time for some new ones, and then every season the strike playlist feels kind of like it's getting a fresh coat of paint and an update, while those strikes have been rotated out, Bungie's tweaking them, working on them, adding mechanics. Remember, remember when the snowballs were everywhere? You know, put put scorch cannons everywhere. Have modifiers like that that really just raise the fun factor, but trim it down so you're only doing that to you know five or six strikes a season. I think that's a, I think that I think that is where you take the strike playlist. Yeah, like seven, six or seven strikes are leaving, so they're probably adding two or three. Um, so that's going to be I think where they're where they're doing that. As far as like gambit and crucible directories, I have no idea. I mean, Avenger, what do you think the likelihood is they bring back Prison of Elders from D1? They, I was so excited when more than nothing came back. That was one of my, that was so cool to be in Forsaken. And I was like, oh, I need to go do a strike because they didn't, they didn't advertise that straight off the bat. You didn't have any quests and stuff like that. You just went and you, I loaded up a strike playlist. And the first thing I got was more than nothing. I'm like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. And I, I love that strike. I, I would love it to come back because I think that there is a place for it. I think a lot of people hated on it when it first came out because it wasn't a raid. You know, everyone was so on that high of, you know, raids, raids, you know, you know, you get Vaults of Glass and your Crota, like, why aren't we getting a raid? Prison of Elders was a good thing. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I think it added a different grind and made it, it was something different. And I think a lot of people look don't look fondly back on it, which really does suck. And I could see it having a place in the game. Yeah. We're, we're already accustomed to that kind of content. I mean, this sundial was a new version of Prison of Elders. We went back to a little circular room. We ran through a door. <laughs> we beat a bunch of enemies and, and did a mechanic, and then we left. And the rooms and areas ha- were thematic. They, you know, certain enemies were there. So I, I definitely think it could, it could, it could fit where we are now. Daniel with the next question. With the changes to our power in D1 from D2, how do you think the returning D1 raids should be balanced for these changes? We've already kind of addressed this. I think the best thing they're going to they're they're, they're going to have to, I think, adjust mechanical pain or mechanical requirement because we are very strong. You know, we are in a position where we just melt melt raid bosses and, you know, Atheon I think they're going to have some curveballs for us, but I, I think eventually once we figure it out and get the damage phases, you're you're going to see, you know, Atheon getting melted. Now, I hope I'm wrong. I also hope we get our way. I mean, Avenger already said it this morning. Bring back hard mode, doggone it. Like, we need two versions of a raid. I, I'm telling you, a contest modifier hard mode, so you're always under the delta, would give Bungie the ability to get rid of one phases, to require more endurance, more mechanical prowess and finesse, and then get rid of that stupid res timer. And I think raids will be much better. Um, we'll really have to see, okay, this is this is a big question that I have. What's the raid philosophy going to look like in the November raid? Beyond Light's got a raid. I want to know what that philosophy looks like. Are they going to adjust the timer, get rid of it? Is, is it going to stay? What's the reward and grind structure going to look like? Am I going to be able to rerun it? All those are questions that I have. Because I have a sneaking suspicion that raid philosophy is changing in year four. And I really hope it does. Because if you're going to bring back Vog and subsequently likely King's Fall, you know, I, I don't think the res timer squares with those in, with those fights. Um, 
and I don't think that you're going to be able to just let us bake bosses and I also don't think the lack of hard mode will work in those raids I mean for Pete's sakes if they bring back King's Fall and they don't bring back the hard mode version I will be very unhappy because I think the hard version of King's Fall there is so much beauty in how they design that they almost out of necessity since they're bringing back Vog they're going to have to bring back hard mode versions of raids or you're only bringing back half of Vog do you see what I'm saying? I don't know. What do you think? I I think we already. I'm basically beating a dead horse. You know, mechanical difficulty needs to be a thing. And D2 is D2 as a whole. Um, the gameplay loop wise, where it comes to difficulty, is a completely different game than it was in D1. D1 was solely based off of your enemies being difficult, and obviously you had raids that would change it up a little bit. But a lot of the difficulty was because of bigger enemies that hit harder and they disrupt you they are the enemy oh crap the wizard just spawned behind me gotta turn around and kill it real quick um and you know and that was the thing that d1 did very well where it was something that it was like oh it's coming from you know the corner of my eye if i don't kill it it's not uh, it's just gonna bother me so i need to make sure i kill it and then a lot of those bothers can cause a wipe so uh, res timers need that just needs to be gone it was it was a cool idea to start with, um, but it, it just needs to be gone. It needs to be, they need to go back to the original raid structure of normal and hard and the systems that they had during that. Uh, that, that just makes sense. It's clear. Uh, every, everyone looks back, no one looks back at that and says, wow, that was a really bad system. Mm-hmm. You know, it, the, the thing that I have a worry about is because the recurrent raids, uh, Last Wish and Garden, are so heavily dependent on at least you know six or five people uh being there to complete all the mechanics um how are how are not having a res in a hard mode raid for those things Mm -hmm. um how is that going to affect it because the core like you said the rating philosophy is going to change but you still have these past raids where the rating philosophy isn't changed and Mm -hmm. i feel like a, a lot of that could affect those raids yeah, I'll be disappointed if they try to contextualize Vogue and they remove the special roles like Relic Holder, you know, because they've moved away from that in, in D2. There's not a lot of those specialized roles. So I'll be interested to see, will Vogue coming back influence the new raid philosophy? Like, will it will, will Vogue have an influence or will Vogue have to be changed and contextualized to remove those specialized roles or to, you know, really allow the res timer to have that influence? I'm very, very interested to see how that works. Um, quad with the next question is it possible we could have multiple small destiny games each part of destiny 2 launcher which contain a couple of planets the launcher could switch between I don't want to spend a lot of time on this one I don't think they're ever going to do anything like this we even talked about ripping out the entire vanilla story and having that be a free download like you know destiny stories I don't think they're going to do anything like this though they, they've made it clear they don't want to slice up the game single evolving world is like a token statement that, that Luke Smith loves to say um, Link of Time Gaming I wonder how many new maps of Gambit and Crucible we are getting because we are losing a lot with Beyond Light what do you think will actually happen with these modes to feel like Vanilla D2 it'll feel like Vanilla D2 with little map selection I would think Crucible will get a handful of maps in light of, in light of what you're saying 
Um, I hope the new maps are designed around the current meta, and a lot of the old maps aren't, so they'll be probably people will probably be happy to see some of them leave because uh, they were designed around double primary slow meta. As far as Gambit is concerned, um, what maps would leave? I don't. I'm not. There's the there's a Titan. There's a Nessus. There's the one with the score, and I'm assuming that's Tangled Shore. Is and then there was the one with all the moving parts and like the the conveyor belt. I don't know what planet that's on. Um, I don't, is there a Mercury Mars? Is that Mars? I don't know. You may be losing one in Gambit. I'm not sure. Um, what, what do you think they're going to do here? Uh, Avenger? I, I don't think they're going to remove any maps. Uh, I don't, I, they said they're removing the activities, but they're not, they never said they're removing the maps. Um, you've had maps before where their planets didn't exist. I mean, look at burnout, for example, Mercury didn't exist and still have that. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, just just because the planet's not there doesn't mean the map's not going to be there because it's a completely different instance. Um, having to have a whole load zone connected system with, you know, all these different moving parts in a planet is going to be different than a map that's already pre-made. Um, I think they're already, they're already tweaked with the system of taking maps out of, you know, the current, you know, how many maps are in the uh, playlist uh, where they took out, I think, Dead Cliffs and they took out a few maps because they they you know they're not they have issues they need fixed um or they just wanted to take it out of the system they're already doing that so i don't think they're going to remove any maps from gambit i don't think they're going to remove any maps from crucible i think the only time they're going to remove maps is not because of the vaulting of content i think they're just going to say okay well this map needs you know reworked these maps are going to be out for this season i don't think they're going to remove it yeah, I mean, it says the primary content leaving, uh, and it says and it's, it lists the planets. It says, and their supported activities. So they don't, I mean, their supported activities, I think, leaves room for Avenger to be right. I feel like they will just leave the maps in, uh, or maybe not. Maybe just for consistency's sake, they will say, no, the Gambit Titan map is gone, or whatever maps, you know, there are on the various planets that you play, um, you know that Titan map where you're like outside and inside in, cruci- in the Crucible where you you know it's like raining I think it's like raining outside um, they, they they may do that for consistency's sake and just as well to clean up those 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 playlists less maps and then makes room for the new maps and then that gives the new maps a little bit more room for preference so we'll have to wait and see they have not said so I think there's room for either theory to be right where you know Avenger could be right they could be saying you know what these are not activities these are maps they can stay but they could also have them be you know removed for consistency's sake so we're going to move on to VIP call in if you want to call in and talk to me or Avenger right now and your VIP tier or higher get in the discord and get ready if you're listening to this in other places and you're like man I'd love to be a part of that you can use sntrpresents.com to get to the Patreon you can pick the VIP tier or above to support the channel and then get in discord to take advantage of that if you're here right now on YouTube you can use the join button to do that the member tiers are identical you get emotes and the discord perks so click that join button inch us a little bit closer to another emote unlock we're very close to another one the easy and free way to support me is to click subscribe the bell button and the like button and if you're listening in the other locations where this podcast shows up please like share and subscribe
Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the VIP viewer call-in session after the Destiny Content Vault discussion and Q&A. If you are listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, you can always watch us live at SayNoToRage.com. You can use the Join button on YouTube, or you can use SNTRPresents.com to go to the Patreon SNTRPresents.com lets you pick from the same tiers of support as YouTube join button does, and it has the same perks in the Discord. So if you're like, man, this call-in thing is pretty cool, just pick VIP, sync with Discord, and come in and talk with us. I am joined again by the co-host from Q&A, Avengers, here as well, and he'll be interacting with folks that call in uh, as well. So, our first caller is Techno. What do you have for us today, my friend? Well, a lot earlier in your uh, Q&A sessions, you were talking about the Cosmodrone and the strikes and all that. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just wondering if they're just going to bring back the Omnigal strike or the Will of Crota strike in a bubble. Because in Shadowkeep, we already went over the fact that Omnigal's dead because we had to fight her nightmare, mm. which were things that we already killed. So I'm just... I'm wondering how they're going to work that in where they're just going to put it in a in a bubble in time and strikes like they do with some of the strikes we have right now or if they're going to somehow update it to make sense with everything that happened in Shadowkeep yeah that I actually hadn't thought about that I forgot Omnigal is on the earth so I there's a couple of things they could do I don't think they're going to put her nightmare in there because I think that story is a little separate but I they could put maybe an echo the echo of Omnigol. I know they like to do that, right? It's just like a taken version, and it's like it's not her. It's like the remnant of her being, or something. The uh, Omnigol. Yeah, I don't think that. I mean, I I, I bet you they just do, just do like an echo, and then Eris could have some little line about how it seems attached to Savathun in some way. Because I mean, they're already pointing to Witch Queen in Savathun, even in this DLC. Like Eris has her little projection, and she puts the 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 symbol, that green symbol we see on the Witch Queen poster is on the wall in a cutscene in this uh, summer season cutscene. So I could see them start to lay the groundwork uh, there and just make it an echo and and tie it to Savathun somehow, pointing to the fact that someone has control of the Taken again. Because she says that at the end of the one strike we do right now, there's Taken everywhere, and she said that... The Festering Core strike that they added in Shadowkeep that'll be leaving when Beyond Light comes out because it's on IO. Oh, that is on IO. (laughs) Well, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. I was just pointing to the story element, though, that Eris says Savathun will make her move. We'll know when she makes her nest move when she makes it. And she's we're engaging with the Taken. So I I don't know, Avenger, if you do you have a theory on what they'll do with this? Uh, There are two things. One, they could do it with the time bubble like they've done with, you know, Cade six dying. um, But he still have the dialogues in, you know, Exodus Crash and, you know, the strikes that he's part of uh, arms dealer as well. Or they could do um, something. I, I remember you saying something about having it so you talk to the stranger and you're going, you know, into the, the time, you know, time traveling, stuff like that. I feel like that could also be another option. Um, it, it was just I, there. There's so much stuff that we still don't know about. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. We, we need to know more about it. So I, I, I don't think I don't think they'll do nightmares. Like you said, I think it's that's exclusive to to the planet, the moon, you know, around the darkness. And I don't think there's going to be a pyramid that's going to be centralized over the Cosmodrome. So um, I think it's definitely just going to be, you know, there might be something with time, uh, maybe the echo thing that you said, or maybe it just might be its own bubble like Techno said. Yeah. 
You got anything else on that techno? I, I, I completely forgot that she was on the uh, on the Cosmodrome. No, no, no. He may be AFK or he may be having internet trouble. Maybe he got actually into another Iron Banner match and he's deep deep in the throes of it he said he had to get one more kill so well yeah he just dc'd out so DC'd we out. will uh we'll move on but that, that that's actually a good he's question back. He's back. oh he's back um let me unmute him then did you have anything else techno i just got error coded weaseled all the way out if you can hear me you, you yes. even dc you even dc'd out of the discord yeah i i started talking but then uh he started acting like I was AFK, so I'm like, great, it's happening again. Yesterday when that <laughs> tropical storm came through, it took out my power for 16 hours. Sounds like you guys are still recovering from it. Did you did you have anything else on the on what we were saying? Um, I'm just more shit if Cosmodrone is coming back as just like a nostalgia ticket be getting cashed in, or if there's going to be actual story reasons for it coming back. Because mm, there's, yeah. there's a lot of different things that happened in the Cosmodrone in Destiny 1 completely just ignoring rise of iron there's the rasputin bunkers there's the remnants of crota's horde that made it to the moon there there's a house of kings or if there's anything left of the house of kings there's a house of devils if there's anything left of that there's a lot of different story threads that are connected to the cosmodrone and it it seems like a cheap thing to bring back if they're not gonna go forward with any narrative threads and the cosmodrone's just there because gay cosmodrone I think we have our answer in a, to a certain degree in that the stranger's back. So I feel that her coming back while also bringing back Vault of Glass and the Cosmodrome to me points to there will be story elements and reasons for us to travel to these destinations. Because if she wasn't coming back, I would say, yeah, 50-50. This could literally just be a content ad of nostalgia. We'll go talk to Ikora, and it'll be a memory thing, right? Go experience your memories of the past and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the fact that the stranger's back, to me, is going to tie it all into, like, a nice little package to say, there's a reason we're going back to these places. Um, So I, I think she's our biggest clue toward that being that being the the reality i i don't know to me that's if you're if you're not going to give us any reason to go back i think you're opening yourself up for people saying what on earth why are you doing this then what's the point um now i I do think once people get into the grind and start getting the loot if it's updated and, and fresh and new and awesome i don't think people will care but i do think that people will say man this why wouldn't you just spruced up the other planets or or done new planets you know what's the point in bringing these back if there is zero story impetus and then about vault of glass the entrance doesn't necessarily have to be on venus is uh one of the big things a lot of people are speculating that the entrance could be on nessus because there's a big vault of glass looking door there i personally think the entrance is going to be on europa and since they said it's going to be in the later half or the later half of the content year so like 2021 the later Mm -hmm. two seasons i think we'll have like some seasonal narrative like how each season connects to the next i think one of our seasonal narrative threads will be why we go back to the vault and i think we'll enter it from europa the only reason i don't think it'll be europa is because europa is going to have its own raid um in, in November, and I feel that they they tend to not 
They've not really ever done that. Other than the Leviathan, raids are sort of in their own spot. They got their own, you know, planet or or location. So I I actually think it'll end up being I think either Nessus or Venus because I you just need a portal or a door on Nessus and that solves it and then you're done or you know or you bring back Venus. I think Avenger and I were both saying bring back Venus, weren't we? Yeah, I want, I want Venus back. I, I, I love pre- Venus. I would prefer Venus coming back, but I don't really see that happening in as a seasonal content drop. Uh, I that's why I was kind of referring to as kind of that instanced area. Like if you played the D two beta, a good example is when you did the Nessus um, inverted spire strike where you would load in and they blocked off the area so you couldn't go anywhere. It was just that one secluded open world zone and then you just went into the strike zones. It was very secluded and it kept you there and I think that would that could be done. Um, and, and another thing that I find interesting about you talking about the, um, the content being tied to the season, uh, that could be story elements with the Cosmodrome because the first two seasons... The first half of the Cosmodrome's coming out with Beyond Light. The second half of the Cosmodrome's coming out the next season after. Both of the uh, later on. It's, it's going to be one only Cosmodrome. We're not getting Plague Lands with it. Uh, yeah, and I st- like it still could be content. So you're, you're still getting half of Cosmodrome or part of Cosmodrome in the first half. And then you're getting the other part of Cosmodrome in the second half. You know, there could be story stuff with that maybe the second season could be about rasputin and you go into the bunkers because you know i'm not, I'm not going to spoil anything as data mine but there is stuff about rasputin that's going to be happening so well, if you know the original story plot looks like a lot of things are starting to come back around that way and, yeah i think that could i think that could possibly be something that you know they could look at seasonal content wise and vog could be I, I don't think that they should i don't think changing vog's opening encounter like it, it's still to me I still remember specifically loading into Vault of Glass at day one and trying to figure out what is going on. And I think that opening encounter, even though it's the most basic and simplistic thing ever, it still is something that I think is like a staple of that raid is you know, opening the vault. You know, there's always something like you just bull, you just talked randomly to all your friends while you're sitting there doing the plates and you'd go through and you have that little chest there at the beginning. I don't think they should change that. I think they should keep it. Yeah, I I agree, and I there's a variety of ways they do this. So at this point, we're just like, this is what we'd like to see, and the most likely outcome is I tend to agree. Venus for a season ad, um, Venus for a season ad is not a uh, is is it does seem a little big, um, but we'll see. I mean, I don't know. They, it could be one of those things they like to make the summers pretty big. I could see it being a summer ad. You know, you wait all that time and spring's light again, and then they drop Venus and they drop a story on Venus and Vault of Glass is there, and we have to go back. And the stranger could be the one that kind of like you know spearheads that. You know, there's a lot they could do there. So I just completely lagged out for a minute. That was fun. <laughs> All right. Well, that that was but good though. I, I, I want to move. Thing on. I was going to oh, say yeah, okay. before I uh, disconnected was we know from the trailers that there's Vex on Europa, which is why I'm saying the Vogue entrance could be there. Oh uh, well, I mean, sure. I, I'm I'm not saying it can't be. I'm just saying their their behavior up to now makes me think it won't be on Europa. They they don't they a lot they've never have they done that? Have they had? Two they've never double dipped. They've never yeah. double dipped on a planet. No. I'm not saying it won't be. It's it's possible. It's possible. So, 
So, all right, I'm going to move on. Thanks for calling in Techno. We're going to move to, I'm scrolling up here, Gilly in the Mist. We're coming to you, my friend. What do you have for us today? Uh, I want to talk about um, the DCV and how it's not a better system than making a D3. Um, Okay. I think there are ways to make a D3 that fix the issues a lot of the community had when we moved to D2 because I know a lot of people said we don't want a D3 because we'll lose all our gear we'll have to start all the way over and it'll be all new systems and I understand that Um, and Bungie also hasn't made the best of efforts of separating D2 and D1 Um, they keep bringing things back which I understand why it's nostalgic it's cool to bring this back but it really shouldn't come back uh i know a lot of people aren't gonna like that but if you're gonna make a second game make it stand out don't drag things from d1 back and i think if they they should have made a d3 because now the way they're making dcv is well we want to we we didn't really want to make a d2 but we made one anyways and now we're going to try and bring the things we wanted to keep in d1 back as well um which which feeds that fire of people saying well it's reskins it's less effort you can you're saving yourself time by bringing things back which isn't true in a sense but it is in another um so i think the way they could make a good d3 is if they need to remove things because of technical difficulties, file size, bug management, keep those in D2. Make a D3, bring the things you want to keep. Let us bring our characters over. Let us bring our, our loot over. Um, the things you want to sunset, keep them in D2. You can't bring those over. So you can't bring Mountaintop, you can't bring Recluse, you can't bring Edgewise. Those stay in D2. You can still play with them at your max power on D2 and still have fun and still remember that. But in D3, you can bring this year's content over. So that way you're not coming in empty-handed, blind, no character. And you still have the loot you want to keep, which you're just going to get to keep anyways now. And then they keep they keep you know the tower, they keep the EDZ, they keep Nessus, they keep the moon into d3 and then they bring the new content in but all the old content is still available to play in d2 and i think that's a great way of solving um the issue that you're taking our things away yes it's free yes those people did pay for it and it's it's not wrong but it's a feels bad kind of moment like yes we understand why but it feels bad that you're taking things away and i think go ahead no i was gonna say i feel that you're describing what would I don't know how different the game would feel because you're describing a more extreme version of sunsetting. You're like literally leaving stuff behind uh, in D2, and you're describing what would probably pre probably be a very thin and bland launching pad. Like, it, if there's anything they've proven, it's that they they struggle to really deliver a bunch on that annual rhythm, and so. I'm, I don't know if slapping a three on it and giving us Europa and whatever else they were going to decide to add and new subclasses and then being rigidly sunsetting stuff like, oh, we don't want these certain guns coming forward. 
I don't see that as being better. I think if there's if there's one thing we've seen over the years is that they seem to do a better job when they enhance and evolve the existing game and they don't do a very good job at launching a game. Like if you, <laughs> you see yeah. like, so that's why I'm kind of like, I was gung ho D is happening. It's definitely happening. Luke Smith comes in and is like, absolutely not. No, we're doing three years right here. We're planting our flag and this is how we're going to do it. And the more I've looked at it and analyzed it, the more I'm like, this is really where Bungie shines anyway. And so we're, even though the number isn't three and doesn't feel like this nice new reset and new springboard, I feel like we're going to have a better, a better version of the game and a better experience as gamers that they could so that because they didn't try and satisfy that rigid contract with Activision and another you know and slapping a number three on it. Yeah, um, Bungie Bungie has talked about how they want to. Uh, so people have been calling that they rebrand D two to just Destiny keep old d1 as destiny one rebrand destiny two to be just destiny because you're bringing content in and out um and i think that spiritually moving to a d3 could be exactly the same as this the stuff you're keeping in the game now is the new d3 with europa and the stuff you're sunsetting and removing into the vault just stays in its own little destiny too like you just copy paste the things we're keeping and what's going to be there in the fall into a new game that you separately install and then at the end of this season you just compartmentalize it and it's d2 and if you still want to go back and play it, you can still play it all the old stuff all the old stories see all that content and then you can just start from where you are in d3 and then they they have what they have now which is those four planets gone, Leviathan gone, most of the weapons still being earnable, but not really all that useful, while still satisfying some of the criticisms of you're taking it away. Do you mind if I step in here, Lona? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Um. The the issue that I have that I see with your D three, like I understand the sentiment, and I, I I understand where you're coming from, and I see a lot of the points that you're making. There, there's a few things I want to state about it, though. How how long are you going to go with this? You know, if you're having, you know, okay, first three years of is D1, next three years, D2, next three years, D3, next year, three years, D4. Ne- ne- how long are you going to go with that? You're going to have more games and then, oh, well, I, you know, I'm going to be on D4. And I'm like, I really want to go do King's Fall today because I'm really feeling King's Fall. And I'm gonna go have to go to make sure I have D1 installed. And if I want to do Levy, I have to have D2 installed. And if I want to do, you know, Deepstone Crypt, I'm gonna have D3 involved. There's just way too many numbers in that. And for something that wants to be an MMO, something that wants to be a single evolving world, and that's what they want to do as a franchise, why separate it out and make it so it's not a single evolving world? It's four, three, four, five, six evolving worlds, all that aren't evolving they're just staying still with one that's moving forward i I don't i don't see that being something that is is viable and then even if you want to say a d3 even you say you know we're gonna bring all the weapons over okay then what's the point of grinding you know that's the same thing that we have that there was an issue with i didn't have an issue with d1 to d2 i i don't have an issue with them completely wiping my character's inventory right now and just letting me have the character because they give let me have more grind if you, if you say Beyond Light comes out, everything beforehand is gonna be gone. For me, as a hardcore player, it's more grind for me, and I wouldn't I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't hate a D3 where they just completely removed all the gear and stuff. 
I, I wouldn't hate that at all. And I think it would look back fondly at the gear. But again, I don't see, you know, on the launch pad that you have, you know, how are you going to implement new systems? Are you just, is it just going to be D2 with some new content? Like well, what's going to change in D3? Because you can't just slap a number on it and say, well, it's the same thing as D2, but it's just a bunch of sunset weapons and planets and all this stuff. There needs to be more if it's going to be a sequel. It's new content. Well, they you know after this supposed D three, um, hopefully by the time they hit uh, what they plan to be, as far as we know, the end of Destiny, um, because I don't know they had originally had a ten year plan with Activision, um, so I don't know if they're going to extend Destiny beyond three, you know, the next three expansions and presumably the one last final expansion that would be the last of the ten years. Um, but the last E3 would be to fix the problems they created with D uh, Destiny 2. Because when they were with Activision, they created a lot of issues that I don't think they foresaw seeing being solved by continuing to have single game. We saw Pinnacles come in, and we now see that they're broken. But if you look at it under the model of Activision, they wouldn't be broken because they would end at that year with D2 and then you wouldn't bring them in the new D3, which they had planned at that point. So you see that they they created issues that they intended to solve by making a new game that they now have to solve in a different way because they're not making a new game. And by creating a somewhat newish like destiny, you fix those problems that you didn't foresee happening while keeping the things that we already have now because in in the fall we're basically going to have a new game um you're removing all that content you can't go back and play you can't go back and get those weapons you can't go back and play the story um so you're you know the new people who have it don't have access to those weapons and the people who have already played will and i see that being an issue if some of the old weapons become more powerful than the, uh, the new ones like gnawing hunger um I, I think that fundamentally the reason that this is better, right? Maybe it's not preferable. Maybe maybe people would have loved to see a new game, you know, new number, new engine, all that total reset. Yeah, you that that comes down to preference. The reason I think this is better from a technical standpoint and from a developer standpoint is that their their changes, their updates, their quality of life improvements, their their the storytelling, the evolution of the game, the the seamlessness of it I think makes the changes more impactful because you end up with like a string of pearls like the games are too separate and too different and distinct like when you went from D1 to D2 and going from a D2 to a D3 I think that's just harder because the the quality of life improvements are not agile and on the ground they're really disconnected because we just keep on playing d2 while they build d3 and the sands are always shifting our opinions and the sandbox and the and the way we play is always you know is always changing and problems are always emerging so i think that the the um, the quality of life improvements updates and changes that they're making in relation to our feedback and behavior will be deeper more felt and better because they're doing it in this game as opposed to starting it all over and hoping they get the foundation right because whatever they build for d3 you have to understand something if they would have delivered a d3 in this year 
it means they would have had to start building it and, and lay the foundation and make all those changes and set all those things up. They would have had to start it three years ago, at least, which means whatever they thought was right or good three years ago, it ain't the same today. So you end up with the D2 problem where D2 lands and it's so disconnected from the quality and what we felt and what we liked at the end of Rise of Iron because the development cycle started so much earlier and by the time you got to Rise of Iron, it was like the, 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 the community the hive mind, our opinion, our player habits, all of it was different. And so that's why I think there's a smoother baton handoff with this saying, all right, get rid of the derelict old stuff, add new stuff and make improvements along the way. So the game slowly refines itself, evolves into this robust experience as opposed to here's destiny three. Yeah. There's a lot of foundational things that you're not going to like. Cause when we started building it, think back, okay. Three years ago, we were playing you, the, the foundations of either vanilla or forsaken would have had a huge impact on the foundations for destiny 3 which would be rng based leveling milestones no direct pathway to loot like all the all those things would have been you know foundational characteristics of d3 that would have had to have been walked back in the early months of d3's launch so i, I think they've made it very clear that they're going to do, I think, they, they do a better job when the Play-Doh is already on the table and they get to reshape it and reform it instead of starting all the way over. I feel like that's where they get a lot of things wrong. Yeah, but I see an issue coming in a couple years that new people coming in aren't going to be able to play any of the old content. Like at the end, if we keep this model up for the next three years and... Uh, Destiny 2 ends. They're done with telling the story of Destiny. They're going to move on to a new IP. What's going to be left at the end of that? Are you going to have the what you brought in the content vault that year and that expansion and the other six years you've made of Destiny content is in a vault that doesn't exist in the game because the single game is too big to handle all of it. Like They're piling more things on by swapping things out, but at the end, when Destiny is over, because it's got to end at some point, you can't swap all of it back in for the people who want to play it all at the end. Like, I see this as a forecoming issue. I don't think that is an issue, because to be fair, th- this game is being made, crafted, and stretched and improved for the core audience, not for a latecomer in 2022. Like, a latecomer to the franchise in 2022 with... With love and respect in my heart, I don't care about that person. I'm like, the game needs to evolve and improve and get better. I don't care about some late, you know, Johnny come lately, and he's like, oh, man, where's all the content? Where's all the stuff from two or three years ago? It's like, sorry, man, you missed out. I mean, if I if I went and played a lot of games, Warframe or ESO or World of Warcraft, I'm sure there are iterations, <laughs> missions, places, planets that are just gone. They're not there. And it's like, I'm going to play the, the whatever the current version is at that moment and i think that that's more important i think is to is to build and improve things for us uh avenger you're laughing i don't what are you what are you laughing about uh it's funny that you say that because no none of the content actually leaves leaves in those games it's this is actually a destiny exclusive thing which i find very interesting and i think it's actually what the mmos should start doing um that you can go back into world of warcraft and you can play every single quest every single raid get every single cutscene. you can do everything story-based wise in all of those games i still don't agree with the d3 and i think that you know you're speculating something you're 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 saying well three years from now you know all this content's going to be gone and they're never going to add it back you know how are they going to be able to play it 
we don't know what's coming up. We don't know if it's going to end the franchise and later on. In my eyes, how I see it and how I see from, you know, Luke Smith as a fan of World of Warcraft and, you know, how he's looking at it, I don't think he has any intention of stopping this game in the next five years. I, I think he, he wants to go. I think he wants to make this a game that is, in the long run, something that's World something of Warcraft that, and first-person shooters. Yeah, I mean, well, I hang on, hang, well, hang on though, hang on though. What you said is not accurate. I did a simple Google search, and it says the next World of Warcraft expansion, Shadowlands, is just around over the horizon, and what is going to come is a big shakeup that includes quests and rewards that will never be available again. Here's everything leaving the title. They have done that. That, that, that this is a thing that they is done in other games. Type. They remove the title, so it's like you know how we have Undying. You can't get Undying. You can't get you know. I think it's Cha- Hero of Azeroth or uh, Champion of Azeroth. You can't get that title. There are certain quests that are tied to raids, but this core story content you can do the zone quests. You can do. You can still do the raid. Just some of the quests tied to them aren't going to be there because that's current. Like that's content that's currently in the system that they have. Uh, but all of the story beats are there. You can go back and play every single quest from classic. TBC, Burning Crusade, Wrath, you can go back and play all of those. Um, you can go back and play the story content of that. Um, there are certain rewards in the quest that you can't do, but all of the story content is there. Okay, so they, so there is, so you're saying it's more quest, it's more quest title and item based because they're, they're even describing items in here that will lose their power over time, like that's like their mm-hmm. version of sunsetting. Um, I mean, so, but the spirit of it is the same. Like, those games move forward and elements of them become less relevant, less powerful, or whatever. And I, it's it's hard to compare a game with dedicated servers that, you know, has a lot lower graphical fidelity and everything. Like, obviously, yeah, those areas can stay because they might be housed on a dedicated server. They're not as graphically intense. You know, this is a different engine. It's an older engine. Um... I don't know about ESO and Warframe, but I know those games have largely changed over the years. I don't know if areas, missions, quests, or items themselves have gone uh, or have left. Um, so uh, ESO's never removed anything. Okay, so I mean, Warframe has a vaulting mechanic actually, where all of their Warframes go into a vault seasonally, where they come back later on. So that's a thing. Warframe has cut their raids and some missions and events are not playable. Yeah, like there's no hard and fast rule book here. Like it does look like some of the play some some games have done what we would consider some semblance of of stuff leaving, but not locations, um, which I think would be, I guess, the main issue here. The again, the way I look at it, the way the way I kind of, you know, shake this out and 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 land on a decision is Number one, it's necessary, and number two, I think it's better. I think if they, you know, as I said, if they would have started over, the foundation of three would have been well, so start inaccurate. Over. Like, what, what I'm proposing is they copy and paste D2 now, and then what would be Beyond Light and what stays in Beyond Light is just a separate game. And D2 just ends here, and everything that we're going to have in Beyond Light is just a new game you separately install you bring everything over but d2 stays as it is so you can separately download it play it for the past for whatever you feel like it and what's coming in november is just separate but exactly the same i yeah i mean i i i think i think we've we've all kind of went went round and round on this one i just i see i just see it differently i see the 
the the baton pass being cleaner this time obviously we'll we'll i could be proven wrong this could be an utter disaster and we get to january and we're like this was a terrible decision but in 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 my sort of estimation is analyzing their decisions since i started making content in d1 and played the beta since d1 this feels like a cleaner baton pass for both quality to improve and for player player feedback to be more accurately implemented um and not such a just a clean a clean cut so um yeah i think we're gonna move on that's all you had okay cool that was a good discussion though that was that was good i like when people call in with different opinions on stuff that was good all right we're going up to mr darksider what do you have for us today Hey Lono, Avenger is gonna hate this, but we need, I think we need a certain level of skill-based matchmaking kinda back. Not to the extreme we had, mm-hmm. but something of a skill-based matchmaking light to balance the lobbies because yesterday during Iron Banner, me and my client went in and we had games where the enemy was like 900 new players coming in, trying it out. And we were just ruining the experience. Right. Yeah, so what I would say here, there's an easier solution than trying to come up with some special version of skill-based matchmaking. I just think power-enabled in Iron Banner is stupid and always has been stupid. I don't think it belongs in Iron Banner. It's a monthly event. You got new players coming in. You got, you know, the game's going to be in Game Pass, you know, in November. You got new light. I... I've never, ever understood Power Enabled in Iron Banner. You put this guy in the tower, you announce it, it's like, oh yeah, come play, come get stuff. It just is so much different than Trials. Trials is clearly competitive endgame, and Iron Banner, I don't know. I I get that people are like, oh, it's supposed to be endgame, it's supposed to be endgame, so power should be enabled. I'm just like, I... (laughs) Why? I, it, what's the what? What's the good outcome of power enabled on Iron Banner? Like, what is it? What 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 does it add by having it in there? I I believe all it generally does is what you said. It ruins the experience of people that are like way low power because they're just coming into play or they haven't been playing in a while. I just I don't think it belongs in the game. I don't think we need any kind of like weird convoluted skill based matchmaking. Now there are people that are saying they're having a terrible experience and they think skill based matchmaking should come back. But then there's always the other side of the coin, and people are like, "Well, I'm having a great time." Um, so I, I face many teams. Cool, oh, I go think ahead. Cool guy recently made a video about it, and I think he said it better that Bungie doesn't do any kind of middle ground in this regard. It's either full super strict skill based matchmaking or none at all mm-hmm. i think a certain level of like preventing the lower percentages from ma- matching against the highest percentage would be enough so basically the mid lane players get to play against both high-end players only against mid lane players at best yeah yeah i mean i i think you're right and i think that's probably because maybe they don't have the tools to do it maybe they do not have the background tools the finesse the nuance maybe the engine maybe the net code i don't know maybe they literally it's a switch it's either on or it's not um most people who are having a hard time probably are lower in skills on the average curve well sure but then it's a double whammy wheezy if you're lower on skill and you've been playing less often and you play against somebody who's been playing a lot and has a power advantage like i feel like if you play six hours a day and this other guy plays maybe one hour a night 
it's unlikely that he's going to be better than you. You already have an advantage. Again, I said the other day when we were talking about skill-based matchmaking, I don't think you're running into god-tier players. I think the game is full of experienced players. Go try to hop into Call of Duty or Gears of War as a less experienced player. An average player in those realms is going to wipe the floor with you because they've just been playing Gears and COD for years. Like They have the experience. Even if they're average and you're new, you're they're going to run circles around you. And I think that's one of the primary problems with a franchise like Destiny. It's been around for a long time and the pool is full of experienced players and when you add in a power advantage it just adds insult to injury i don't what do, what do you think avenger Where, what's your take on this power power enabled it, it's it's always a weird thing like you said there's gonna be that one person they're not one person but that like specific group where they're playing you know they're very casual and they just want to go in and they're like oh you know iron banner is up let's go play that and then you have you know less time playing the game on, so you have less experience you have less power um you're not gonna have the best guns like it just all stacks up uh in the, in the same case talking about skill based and connection based um you know I, I think if there was a middle ground if there was a possibility for me to get a mix of skill and connection based i would love that i would love that but at the same time skill based and and this is from personal experience i used to play with um other streamers who were you know top 500 elo in uh survival and i was going against people i could not touch i got better by doing that i got better i I went up against true vanguard on ps4 every other match because you know all my other friends are super high skill rating and it, it of course i'm gonna do bad but i've got better and now when I'm playing just randomly, I feel better. It makes me feel like I want to play the game. I was on the bad end of that where I was going 0 and 40 in a match because every single person on the enemy team was amazing. And in the same sense, every single match that those high skill players have to go into, they have to sweat, they have to try as hard as they can, and then it just makes them not want to play the playlist anymore. And then you're going to get a bunch of people who are just going to end up playing classic mix because that doesn't have um skill-based matchmaking that's what a lot of people did is they just played classic mechs and to me they there's there should be a middle ground of like you know there you can match with you know people about 500 in your elo you know up and down 500 in your elo or not even that maybe 250 and have some middle ground there and if that's possible i'd love that you know that way it could appease the people who are at the lower end of the spectrum they can fight some harder people they could fight you know 200 250 elo above them and it would make them get better as a player and not have the drastic change of someone who's top 500 fighting a new light player um but at the same time i don't think it's fair to punish someone who's good at the game or has played the game a long time punish them i I don't think that's fair but at the same time it isn't even fair to punish someone who plays less because he plays less you are basically Punishing instead of the top end, punishing the lower end. It's the same thing, but the other side gets it, not you. And that's that's the thing that I see. You look at that and you say, okay, well, you don't play that much. You, you don't do that. And so you're not going to have the weapons to even do better. Um, and then you want to go match up against a bunch of people who don't have the weapons and who aren't going to do that. How is that player going to get better? How is that player going to even want to play the game more? Because they're just sitting there, oh, okay, well, I'm going to get on this week and just smash people. You know, for me, and this is a quote that I've said a lot of times, is that the game or the players should adapt to the game. The game shouldn't adapt to the players. And but at the same time, how many people are going to go be like, 
I don't care. I cannot win against them. I'm not, not gonna step back into it. People, How many people did that in Skillbait's matchmaking, though? You have to look at that. How many people left Crucible is, because of it? But the thing is, only the top end players left. But the majority, the big group of lower end mid laners remained. This way, lower the high, you're losing people from the higher pool of players. I I think what Weezy's saying though is a little more on the money. I think skill based matchmaking doesn't just punish the top. It 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 punishes people in the middle. Like I don't play games that have it, and I'm an above average average player. You know, I'm not I I'm not top tier. I won't win tournaments or take people to the to the lighthouse. I'm in the middle, and I can't play with my friends that are better than me because it makes it worse. And the minute I start performing well, I I get thrown into matches against players that are out of my league, and I don't have fun, and I stop playing. So I you know I stopped playing Fortnite because it was in there. Um, I, I I couldn't I couldn't enjoy myself, and I couldn't play with players that were were better than me. I I never I never think it's as simple as like skill-based matchmaking only punishes the top 10%. I also think it is a perception thing. I think the bottom 10% runs into experienced players and their interpretation of a bad match is, I'm getting stomped by gods, and it's like, no you're not. You're getting beat by experienced Destiny players. If, like, I use the example of Gears of War. If you've if you've barely ever touched Gears PvP, and you don't really touch it, it's a long-standing franchise, and right now you go, you go and you try and jump into Gears PvP, an experienced Gears player is going to own you game after game after game. He just, he understands movement, maps, the weapons, where to position, you know, and he's going to smack you down. He's never going to win a tournament, but he's going to wipe the floor with you. And so Destiny's in a similar place. Like if you understand the movement, the guns, the placement, the map design, and that's that's all you got. If you're Lono, if you put me up against the bottom 10% of this community, I am going to decimate them because I'm just, I just, I've been playing the game for so long. That gap, it seems it's exaggerated. They would think that I'm a god and I'm not. And so I think that's the primary problem is it's almost like the bottom 10 to 20%, they need their own boot camp playlist where they only play against each other, but you splice the player base up too much and it just hurts matchmaking. I, I like that. I love that idea a lot, Lona, by the way, the, the separate like kind of beginner playlist. That brings me to another issue that I am having kind of is why should the competitive playlist be the casual friendly playlist right now? If I want to have casual fun, I need to go comp because that's where I can have fun with stupid weapons. Every expansion based matchmaking, I get one player in the enemy team who went 20 times for us or is unbroken and I have to play meta heavily. Yeah, I, this is why this this conversation always ends up. I feel like we always end up at the same. The the road the road is different, and what we say is different. But we always end up at the same destination. True, a true ranked and unranked system is always the answer. Because if you want to play according to skill level, there's ranked. If you want to have a truly competitive place, there's ranked. If you want just connection based, go have fun, more casual. There, there is, there is the the unranked. I think a truly well designed, well developed ranked and unranked system is always the answer that we end up at. It's a question of do companies want to invest in it? Because I think ultimately, the reason they don't do it is a ranked playlist is literally it's exactly what bad players want. 
they would only play against people at their skill level. They would always be in that potato league, and but they're scared of ranked. Ranked, there's like a stigma around ranked. So if you were to do a really, really good, robust ranked and unranked system, you'd almost have to trick players into engaging with it and being like, oh, I love this playlist. I'm always against people in my hemisphere. It's like when you grind up carrots and put it in your kid's food, right? You got to trick these players into going in there and being like, this is good for you. This is what you've been asking for. And then everybody would be happy. Developing that is something that would take so much time. And I think more and more, you're going to see companies not spend the time, energy, and bandwidth on it why? Because they have to make PvP free. Look at what Halo Infinite's doing. If if you're if you're excited about Halo, I think one of your primary concerns should be: Is there going to be a lot of thoughtful, you know, investment and structure, ranked, unranked? Is it going to do that? Is it going to deliver that? Because when you make it free and you can't make money off of it, it doesn't get prioritized in the development triaging. You know. So, did I? Or did we? Did we disconnect? Are you guys just okay? No, no, you, I, am, yeah, I was still waiting to see if Dark said anything. Yeah, yeah. What? I mean, do you, have, do you have anything to add to that? To be honest, I think what we need is a hybrid system between connection-based matchmaking and skill-based matchmaking. Like Evan just said, where you have a big, big enough range where people, the queue doesn't take so long, but there should be some kind of range to protect the lower end. Yes, I agree. I agree. And I think that's what a rank system would do. But if we can't get that, then there could be, you know, algorithmic triggers that say, okay, this person's a literal trash can. Like they're just, they're never, you know, in, in a loving way, they're bad. They're just awful, you know, and they like there has to be a potato league. You know, these guys are just, they're never going to be able to get any kills. The danger becomes you just you flip the problem on its head instead of having the top 10% always in a narrow long time matchmaking bad connections you're going to do the same thing to the people at the bottom i think the truly truly bad players are actually like the bottom 10 or 15% i consistently think most of this player base lands in the middle and that's why bad players feel like they can't get a leg up because there's more I think there's a lot of experienced players and average players and they feel like gods when your thumbs go the wrong way it's just like I you, there are there but in but again maybe they could do something like that like it's behind the scenes and you don't see it but it would be like the boot camp playlist from Call of Duty where it's just full of noobs obviously you'd have to worry about smurfs but smurfs would quickly get booted out of that matchmaking algorithm they'd have one good game and they'd get kicked out you know so um, they could do something in the background to protect those players I, I agree with that so if uh, nobody has anything to add <laughs> other than a, fe- a cell phone ringing I think Coldheart's next oh yeah we have Coldheart next okay so I'm gonna Dark, I'm gonna let Darksider uh, probably take his call I'm gonna go to Coldheart Coldheart are you there and if you are unmute yourself and uh, go with your question or your comment uh, yeah, I'm here. And uh, I mean, just to start off, I yeah. wanted to say that, uh, Lono, I think you struck gold with these call-ins. I mean, I'm a, I've been a long-time listener and chat. I uh, go into chat every once in a while, but I think, yeah, like I said, you struck gold with the 
conversations in this VIP Collins. Oh, you said struck um, struck gold. I thought you said struggled. I was like, what is there? A- <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no. The I thought you were joking. <laughs> no, I pre- the, I appreciate you saying that. Now that I know what you're saying, <laughs> yeah. Loda, you're awful at this. Just stop doing what you're doing. <laughs> just you're just doing a bad job. I wanted to tell you. <laughs> but uh, my my question, I want to see what both you guys think about what is a a good reasonable time to bring stuff back from the content vaults and the reason i ask this um just looking at weapons for example i'm a a hard grinder i have all the pinnacle weapons i've gotten them all all the titles and i'm kind of bummed i i understand 100 percent why they need to get sunset and i'm an advocate for sunsetting but i do i will i'm going to miss perks like micro missile on um mountaintop perks like that but i wanted to see like I wouldn't be upset if, like, say, a year later in Witch Queen, we get a perk like Micro Missile back on another grenade launcher. Like, I, I would love that. Yeah. Um, it, it would, it brings the perk back. It doesn't go to waste, but at the same time, it doesn't hurt anybody's grind. Whoever yeah. struggled so hard to get the mountaintop, they still got their fun. I mean, yes, it, it got sunsetted, but I mean, it's not, a, it's not just going to go to waste. So I, I think a year would be okay and in, in witch queen for example where micro missile could come back and people wouldn't be as you know hurt but with the contentful i wanted to see what you guys would think were titan or io something like planets what's a reasonable time where you think it's okay yeah. for it to come back i think a year but i wanted to see what you guys would think yeah, I think the principle I applied to weapon reissuing is the same thing I would say here. It needs to be gone long enough for two things to be true. Number one, it needs to be gone long enough to feel like it got kind of replaced. Uh, you could, I think you could say that a little easier with weapons. It's clearer that like your favorite hand cannon, shotgun, or whatever, it's been replaced. Like so with planets it's not as one-to-one like is this titan's replacement but like you know i think long enough to feel like okay we lost that that many planets and locations and it's been x number of months and we've gotten this many new locations so if it's been replaced and then it's been long enough for it to be missed if it's really quick if it's a season or two and then all of a sudden micro missile shows up or titans coming back or whatever i that might feel chintzy like why'd you even take it out it was gone for you know a season so i think i would end up landing if i apply those two principles a minimum of a year before something as a gun gets reissued or a planet returns i think if you apply those two principles has it been replaced and is it even missed yet is it feel like oh man it's been a while since fill in the blank was here i i think at the minimum you land on a year um i don't know what avenger yeah. thinks but that's that's how i would land on it I think it matters per the content. I think, you know, weapon-wise, you know, perks like Micro Missile, Explosive Light, even like 20% of uh, Lyrium with the killing tally, perks like those, which are very cool and a lot of people use them, you know, the whole point is to get them out of there and avoid power creep. And, you know, it's going to become that grind where you're like, oh, well, you know, I got this a year ago. Why do I have it again? Like, this is the same issue. This is the, That basically right there proves the point of people who are against sunsetting which is they think that Bungie isn't creative enough to make new weapons and to make new interesting perks. And that right there is just proving the whole thing that they're saying. You know, Even if it's a year later, they're still bringing it back. And I, I think planets are a different thing. I think if they can do something story-wise with planets, I think that's the only time they should implement them. I don't think they should 
I don't think they should just throw in planets like Cosmodrome just for nostalgia factor. I don't think they should throw in Titan just because, oh yeah, Titan's that Titan. You know, I th- there yeah. needs to be a reason to mm-hmm. add this content back into the game instead of just saying, here's the planet, and then the, that's it. Mm. Yeah, that uh, that also brings back another thought that I was thinking about, nostalgia-based. Um, and I know, Lona, we've... Um, had a conversation about this a while ago you probably didn't even know it was me about uh nostalgia but just the whisper general. i was you're, a, a you big went you, you went robot on me can you kid of you know don't bring back d1 weapons Yo, am i am i better now yeah you're better now try try again because it got real robotic we didn't hear it we didn't hear you. yes can you hear me I think we're dealing with cell phone coverage here. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, cool, cool. Nope. Yeah, Does it sound can, a little better? Yeah, you sound better. If you can hear me, just start over because it got robot. Okay. Um, we, I know me and you had a conversations um, back, way back a couple of years ago. You didn't even know it was me, but about just a nostalgia-based weapons coming back to Destiny 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of like on the same train of thought as avenger not bringing them back for the sake of nostalgia and the the whisper is the a conversation me and you had a while ago that i loved the black hammer turned the black spindle now whisper i mean i loved it in d1 but i was i didn't particularly like it coming back to d2 because i liked the nostalgia keeping that in my memory of how it used to be in d1 and i remember that when they were bringing it to d d2 pretty much the same thing as black hammer the og black hammer i was like you guys nerfed this for a reason it was so powerful and you're bringing it back Mm -hmm, the -hmm. same as it was then to turn around and nerf it again and it just blew my mind and i was like why would you do this so my question to both of you guys is um weapons coming back um i know vault of glass is coming back sometime in year four that would say okay vision of i mean vex mythoclass may come back Yep. That's another power, powerful weapon before I got nerfed. Yep. Um, I, I wouldn't want weapons like that to come back. Sleeper is another one. Um, I, I don't want weapons to come back from D1 that were so powerful, so influential, just to get nerfed and be a shell of their former selves. And mm-hmm. I know Destiny has, I mean, Bungie's done a really, really good job about the weapons so far, like Thunderlord. You can say Ace of Spades. Uh, yeah, I guess you can kind of say Bad Juju and weapons like that. D1 weapons that came back to Destiny 2 that are mm-hmm. objectively better than their D1 counterparts. But there's other weapons on that god level that I think should be left alone. Like Galahorn, like yeah. Fijnagar, Vexman the Class, Icebreaker, and now, I mean, Black or Whisper of the Worm. I think those should be like left alone. I want to yeah. see what you guys think. The image I got in my mind while you were talking is I grew up watching Michael Jordan play basketball and he was the best. He was the god on the court and he played like nobody else. And that memory of him playing in that way would obviously be, oh, he's going to come back and play again now. Well, if he came back and played now, he would be slower. He'd be weaker. The the young bloods would be just running around him. 
right? They'd be smoking him. And it would be like, oh, like, why did he come back? (laughs) Like, just stay in the stands, you know, MJ, buy a team or something. And so I feel like that's what happens to these weapons. We have this, like, Galahorn, oh my god, and they bring it back, and they're like, oh, we gotta nerf it. And then it has this soured memory in the game now. Sleeper is that way for me. Sleeper was my Michael Jordan of Destiny 1, and now it's on the bench, because it's too weak. You see, like, I'm like, if you're gonna bring them back, it's... I. Yeah, I, I just it, you end up having to tone it down. You know what I mean, um, right? I, I know you know Tyson's gonna take somebody's head off in the ring, and I know if, if if MJ came back, he could still he could still throw down, but he wouldn't have the endurance. He'd he'd get tired faster than these younger guys. Like, and again, I think they'd have the agility. They'd be able to cut faster. You know, and so to me, it's like you bring back these weapons, and then you realize, oh my, these weapons are problematic. I mean, Luke admitted that Whisper shouldn't have come back. And so I, I, I as soon as you said it, that's what I thought. I thought you're going to bring back Gallahorn and it's going to be the Michael Jordan situation. It's going to be amazing. And then they're going to have to nerf it into the ground because it'll become meta God killer. And then we'll be like, well, thanks for bringing it back. It's in the vault now. Um, Gallahorn yeah, was I'm only not sure so... if you remember too. Mine a multi-tool was another one um in d1 it had high caliber rounds i think it was high caliber rounds but they took yes. it out in d1 because it was just too powerful yes d2 comes they have high caliber rounds back in it's like um do you guys forget my multi-tools history in d1 so like mm-hmm. yeah same thing like whisper what do you guys i mean just think about that when, i know it's for a nostalgia reasons but isn't that kind of worrisome that you're just bringing these weapons back just to hype people up just to turn around and nerf him again because I, I it's it's not weapons like outbreak perfected outbreak prime was really good outbreak perfected was a totally different level everybody loves it it was it's still to this day it's, it's really it's a, a good weapon but that's not like on the level of like the gallahorn yeah i i kind of am with you too alone on that one of these days gallahorn may come back and i'm excited but at the end i'm like uh is it the nerfed rises of iron gallahorn because if it's that i i'd rather not take gallahorn at all give me another yeah. rocket launcher buff rocket Se- launchers first of all but give me give me another rocket launcher seems like it's a heavy weapon problem a lot of the a lot of the exotics they brought back from d1 that aren't heavies haven't been as problematic but sleeper and whisper you know are the ones that kind of came back and caused problems avenger what do you think is it it does seem like it is more about the heavies like the heavies come back and they're just they're too meta defining and then they have to be nerfed I think there there are two things with that. Um, one is the heavy issue where heavies are just so strong in, in Destiny in general. So having a sh- already strong concept of a heavy that they brought from D1 and then bringing it over, and it's obviously going to you know be inflated with the system that we already have. Another thing is that the guns that they bring it over that I think a lot of people look at and you're like, wow, you know, th- this is a great addition to the game are guns they take the core concept of outbreak thorn um what else i think bad juju um has changed but they take the core perk of it and they change it they make it into something a little different you know the parasitism on outbreak is a great example um the way that they added the thorn perk with the vower soul and you know picking it up that's a great little addition and adding the changes to it is it's going to be the same way that i'm going to be talking about content they bring back from the dcv bring it back and change it make it something different don't just copy and paste the same gun over don't just copy and paste the same content over make it interesting make it unique and make it something 
new that we're getting. Um, you know, whisper, whisper is already powerful, and I think you know, whispered breathing would be a cool thing if you reduce some of the damage on it and make it so it's more whispered breathing proc. You know, that could be something they could have done. You know, having and having that there. You know, it was something a little different. Um, you know, they need to do more different things with exotics if they're bringing them back. Fourth Horseman's a great example. Adding the um, the last bullet in the round does the extra damage with the catalyst in the catalyst of the five, like. That's something different and it makes the guns feel better. Yeah, well, and there's two things I want to respond to. You know, in chat, somebody's saying it is a business at the end of the day, and I think they're right. I mean, Gallahorn is is got power. It's got marketing power. It, it trended on Twitter globally. The word Gallahorn trended on Twitter when Zer was selling it. And I mean, so that 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 is an example of how strong the marketing power is. So I, I know they probably will use these weapons. And to what a bit of support is saying, you know, they, they announced bringing back the Hawk Moon, but then they said they were going to change that perk, you know, the Luck in the Chamber perk. And people were immediately angry, like, why bring it back? It's going to suck. It's going to be terrible. And I think that's a glimpse into what the perception is is when they do that. Hawkmoon could come back and be stellar, but people, a lot of people were already writing it off and saying it was trash and garbage because, like, well, why bring it back if it's not going to have its perk? So I I think we're in, like, a bit of a catch-22 um, because they are going to leverage them and bring them back because they have marketing power but they will out of necessity probably have to nerf or change some of them which will then be a souring effect as we've already seen happen with the sleeper i would rather them change it than nerf it i mean you're gonna end up the more if you make it something unique and something different you know you're gonna have the nostalgia factor of oh look it's the hawkman you know something cool you know i remember this gun i remember one tapping people it's not going to be like that. Like, obviously, you're not going to be having that gun, you know, with how strong it was. And you're not, you're not going to have that in a game that they already know how to balance the weapon out now. So they make a unique perk, make it interesting, something different, but it still has the core base of it being the gun. And, you know, you don't have to have it. So it's random things, but you could have, you know, a certain, your like a special opening shot or a special final bullet or something like that. You know, we don't know how it's going to be implemented, but if they, make these things unique different it's it's not going to muddle your past perceptions and it's going to it's not going to muddle the nostalgia issue because it's a new it's a new gun but it's not a new gun and in the end it's marketing and, and you have the front poster but underneath it's not the same yeah i thinking about it right now i think that probably is the key and the only way to do it um, Thunderlord just comes to my mind. Thunderlord D1 was, eh, it was okay. It was not the best machine gun. And D2, I think it's amazing how lightning mm-hmm. strikes and just like destroys ads around this the, the change you're talking about, Avengers. So I think, yeah, they, they would definitely need to, to put a change instead of bringing back the same weapon and then coming around and nerfing it. Because yeah. then you'll have people like me that'll <laughs> cry. Yeah, like I do every day about the sleeper. <laughs> when when Coldheart said that, I was like, man, you just hit Lona right in the heart. Yes, <laughs> it, hurt, it hurts. It yeah. hurts me. <laughs> I have uh, I have one more question for you guys. Okay. Um, I again, I'm I'm like you guys. I'm a Destiny's like one of the main games I play. I, I have everything, all the titles, seals. I play this game a lot. I hit max level in like the second week. Three characters, all that good stuff. So I don't. I understand 100% the problems with leveling. Um, Lono, you hit it right on the head when you said all pinnacles need to have um, some type of drop protection. Mm -hmm. I think you said um, 
powerfuls, uh, I think you can get a little, you can get by with RNG, but pentacles for a fact you should not be getting like three boots in a row for pentacles that's that's awful but mm -hmm. for for solstice maybe you guys remember last year solstice did it give us max level gear when we did solstice and if it didn't with this year's solstice would you think this would be a good opportunity to give people 1060 i mean sorry yeah yeah max level mm -hmm. 1060 mm -hmm. level gear for everybody to catch up, everybody to do, you know, master nightfalls comfortably, master nightmare hunts, because at the end, of, like like you've always said, and I've been saying this for a while, I don't think leveling is content. Uh, it just gets gets us through the day. But since we're so far into this um, season and new or beyond light is being pushed back, I don't see a reason why at this point you just give people, you know, do the work, do the solstice quest, um, EAZ here's your max level armor um i don't think that would break the game in any way but i mean mm -hmm. you may got you both you guys may have a, another viewpoint on that somebody asked about this and i i feel like they could land on this two ways one they could say well max level is actually 1050 1060 is a new type of level that that's brand new it didn't exist when solstice first landed uh, 1060 is almost another classification so i could see them saying no uh 1050 is gonna drop 1050 to help round everybody out to 1050 but the people that want to hit 1060 still need to do the pinnacle grind pinnacle activities i i could see them saying that i could also see them taking the line of thinking that you just did well we had the delay beyond you know beyond light we're going to give you guys uh, everybody a everybody a nice breezy you know drive to get to 1060 so that you know the community is just ready to hit the ground running and beyond light I, it could honestly go either way i'm not going to make a prediction if i'm leaning in a direction i'm leaning towards bungie being stingy and saying no 1050 is max 1060 is not max 1060 is pinnacle and i feel like they would categorize it differently um so i'm leaning toward that but i i, I definitely could see I think both sides have merit if you try to argue for one or the other. I think they both have merit. It just comes down to what's Bungie's goal? What do they want us doing and where us where do they want the community landing going into Beyond Light? And once they know their goal, then that really will determine what they do. So, I what do you think, Avenger? I don't like catch-up mechanics. I don't think that you should take someone who spent all their time in doing it and then having someone log in and be like okay well cool i don't have to, i just have instantly 1060 gear right. i don't have to do anything I, I don't i don't feel like you should say okay well you played the game a bunch so and it took you five six seven weeks of logging on every day hitting all your pinnacles you know praying for the rng you know the, the leveling system's already crap i personally think that gear leveling is content but in a certain way that destiny doesn't do it um like wow does it a great way where you targeted grind oh well i'm looking on the thing if i do this quest i get this kind of gauntlet but that, that's a whole different thing um mm. the way that they have it now if they would say okay you log on you do it you get 1060 the last month and a half would be just basically null and void for anyone who was grinding for that whole time and then also you have something like prophecy which i think prophecy is a great dungeon i think everyone should be able to experience it but for the people who grinded for it day one the people who grinded for all their powerfuls and do, going through all that stuff it basically says it's basically a slap in the face to the players who play the game 
and I, I don't think that should be a thing. I don't think at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, Avenger, that that you've pretty much echoed exactly what I've been saying for a while. Um, I, I am the same way. I feel like, I mean, you should not. I don't like catching mechanics at all. The only reason I brought up Solstice is because it's a once a year thing, and it's right before a big DLC. Mm. So. To me, it's like, okay, the people that are struggling, and let's say, I pray it doesn't, but but just for argument's sake, let's say the the grinding for level doesn't change in Beyond Light. Gosh, I hope it does. But yeah. let's say it doesn't. You would still have a lot of people that are falling behind, and they can't jump into Beyond Light content, the new big DLC content, because they're they're far behind. And then that's another, you know, puts a, another bad taste in their mouth. So I agree with you 100% with season after season with undying worthy dawn all that you need to grind get your level up do the pentacles to get max level but just for solstice since it's the end of the year event right before the next big big dlc to me i think okay that's that's probably the only time that i can that i don't feel bothered or people getting like a little you know power up catch up right before the big dlc solstice is six days from now and we still have three more months of the season. <laughs> well, yeah, this is a, a different case because Beyond Light got pushed back, but it, uh, in a normal I, sense, so I could let's see, say Beyond Light. I, I Sorry, could see that. Ahead. Yeah, I, I could see. I could see that in a sense, but I don't think that because you still have the power grind of the season, um, and I, to me. I feel like something at the launch of Beyond Light could happen. You know how they did, um, I'm not sure, maybe it was Rise of Iron or I'm not sure it was Taken King, where basically it was like, oh, well, you know, no, it was actually Forsaken, where you instantly got 400 gear. Um, it was like that one character gets 400 gear. You know, do something like that. It's like, okay, your one character has 1050 gear. Even then, 1050 isn't that far off from 1060. It's only 10 power levels underneath. And even then, the pinnacle only matters for your end game content so when you're going into the new expansion you know those 10 power levels aren't going to be anything affecting your end game grind at the end of the day either you just may have to get a few more blue drops in the end of it um and, and so because it's already underneath the soft cap you just have a little bit you have maybe you know a few more strikes in the soft cap you know just sit it at 1050 have it at 1050 and then you know, no, you don't need to have the pinnacle because that only care the pinnacle only matters for the end game content in current season. It doesn't matter for Beyond Light. It doesn't. It doesn't matter anything that's going to be on Beyond Light because it's just going to be a soft cap. I yeah. I want. I'm going to take up the banner here that I usually don't take up, but I'm going to take up the banner for the people that worked really hard for something and they feel like it's being invalidated. Sometimes I think those arguments are overstated, but I do think as far as the internal just logic of the game. It would be very strange to say you got to go here for all these pinnacles, okay? You got and the plus twos, you know, the biggest pinnacles are dropping in in you know, dungeon raid locations like that, and to suddenly have an event like Solstice dropping pinnacles is that's illogical. I'm not going to argue against it and and hold up the banner and be like, this is awful. You shouldn't do this, Bungie. I'm just going to say that's inconsistent. You're you're asking people to spend 
week in week out slowly slowly and painfully getting the wrong drops especially if they're running garden and getting energy weapons they're going through this slow process of getting a 1060 and then you come behind and you're like you wasted your time you could have just waited for this this event's really easy it's a thing that anybody can do and we're dropping 1060 gear i think there's an illogical nature to that decision which is why i think I would argue against it from logic as opposed to emotion. You know, you're slapping us in the face and invalidating my grind. No, I'm, I'm not even the guy that's doing that. I barely go for pinnacles and inch my way up. And I would say, nope, you're making a decision that's not consistent with the design and the reward structure of the game. And therefore, it's not the right decision. I think helping everybody get to 1050 is completely valid. Um, and I would And I would say that going into beyond light they're probably going to the way you know how they made all of our gear and all of our characters 750 and then they raise you know like so vanguard strikes 750 i wouldn't be surprised if they raise everything to a thousand um and beyond light just everything the base level is a thousand all your gear all your characters everything so for all those players that really fell behind or or haven't been playing they just enter at a thousand and so they're closer and more within reach of whatever the new cap is um so i I never ever like doing this if you give it to them that hurts me because I was chasing it first like when you make mountaintop quest easier or something I usually don't like those arguments but in this case I actually think it's a sound argument to say holy moly like the logic of your pinnacle grind is so slow and and awful and not enjoyable and now you're going to hand it out like candy like that that does seem like an illogical choice the thing that I like to point out is also pinnacle grind only matters in the season when you go to the next season it it, that 10 bump is only just a little bit of a head start it it really is and then you know and you're going from you know season of dawn oh it was what 950 to 960 um you then had 40 power levels to get the a thousand and then you had the 10 pinnacles at 1010 you just had that little bit of extra space where you had those powerful gears you needed to grind um, which in the long run, you know, can be an extra week of powerful gear for you to then get to that one in the long run. But at the same time, you're still the pin- pinnacle gear is a season's worth of grind just to get a small little boost. And that small little boost is just to show, you know, this is what I've been doing throughout the whole season. You know, I wanted to make sure that I'm prepared for the next season. And just to me, like from from a logic point saying okay well you know we're rewarding all these players for coming in and playing the game a lot and then saying okay well you know here you can just have this and then those players who already have the max gear what point is there to do any of the end game content if they already have 1060 what's the point of them doing a master nightmare hunt what's the point of they're doing all of these different things because they don't need to do it anymore because they they already have max gear yeah yeah we'll know very soon how they're gonna do it you know mm-hmm. we'll know yeah. but I, I i agree with what you guys are saying about don't don't hand it out and and do that that invalidation thing so do you have anything else yeah. cold heart uh, no that was my last question I, I appreciate you guys having me on and again i mean avenger is a pleasure and lono you'll, you'll be hearing a lot more from me so keep it up <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling in. Thank you to Avenger for co-hosting today, both the Q&A and the VIP Collins. Man, appreciate you, dude. Appreciate you letting me be honored. 
and we are going to you know transition to some other things this afternoon do some probably fall guys with VIP since that game officially released if you're listening to this in the other locations where this podcast hits you might be on Spotify Google Play or iTunes or any of the other uh, podcast places you can look up SNTR Presents in any of those platforms if you prefer audio if you want to support it you can go to SNTRPresents.com that takes you to the Patreon to pick from the tiers when you're on YouTube say no to Rage.com takes you to YouTube you can pick for the same exact tiers there if you click the join button and that does help me out and supports me directly and gets you perks in the discord as well as emotes in the chat as always if you're listening or watching in all the other locations please like share and subscribe